0: so don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: So Ricky, uh, Ricky Brabec is in the studio fresh off the of Dakar win, mate. Second one. Brabec's ride at Dakar 46 has been remarkable. It's a hard life. It's
2: not, it's not all uh, scoodles and rainbows out there. And then you wake up every day just like how many more days? Uh, we're eating what? Oh, the same food we just ate the last seven days. What time we gotta get up? 2.45? Motherfucker. The closer you get, the more excited you get. The only thing you're thinking about the second week is, time. when's that flight? And now I'm like, man, I've I won the Dakar twice. Like, what else is there? Like, what else can we try to go do and try to win? And you know, what's the next challenge? Dude, no Americans won it three times, so <laughs> why don't we try to go for three?
1: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by AG1. I want to give a big personal thank you for the help in getting me to the start line at Glen Helen for the World Vets. It was a real bucket list thing for me, and I spent all of 2023 training for it. I may have skipped a couple of runs and had a few off days at the track, but one thing I didn't skip all year was a morning started with AG1. Consistency is everything in health and fitness, and one scoop of AG1 with water, first thing in the morning, every morning, played a massive role in getting me on the start line. I feel more energized, I have better digestion, and I have a higher sense of general well-being as a result. That's because every scoop includes things such as B vitamins for energy support, probiotics for gut support, and vitamin C and zinc for immune support. And while all of these attributes make AG1 a real no-brainer, you can try it and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com gypsytails and keep an eye out for our World Vets content dropping here on our YouTube channel soon. What is up Gypsy Gang, we're back for another episode of the podcast and Ricky Brabeck is in the studio. He's one of the greatest rally slash desert racers of our time and we actually met over 12 months ago in Dubai and we spoke about making the podcast happen but then it turns out that we raided until just the right time with Ricky fresh off his second Dakar victory. He rode a flawless rally in 2024 and I was eager to hear all about the experience We also talked about his training for rally on home soil and how more and more teams are testing in the US, the pathway into rally and even a little bit of supercross bench racing. This was a great episode of the podcast with an American off-road hero. Before we get into this episode though, I want to let you guys know that the Gypsy 500 in Mesquite, Nevada is officially sold out. But if you did miss out on entering the race, we're extending the event to include some activities on Friday, which is going to include a practice uh, of the track, as well as doing the Gypsy 50 race, which will be a 50-lap pit bike race that you're able to enter. And we're also going to be doing a live podcast right after. As well as this, the Red Bull crew will be there bringing the noise and entertainment, and we'll be kickstarting the weekend right that Friday night. For more information, head to verbmodo.com slash gypsy500. Traditionally, gloves made by gear brands can be a little bit of an afterthought and not the most comfortable, which is why I've been using fist handwear for over 10 years and I don't see myself switching anytime soon. This main product is their glove, which means all of their R&D and team rider feedback go back into sculpting the nicest pair of gloves that money can buy. I personally run the Stocker if it's like a little bit cool, like a Cali Winter. Uh, And then I run the Breezer, whether I'm in summer in Oz, Dubai, or the US. And I can say that these are hands down the most reliable and most comfortable gloves available on the market. You can try a pair for yourself, 15% for 15% off by using the code Gang at FISTHANDWEAR.COM. If you're in the U.S., Fist, they're not as popular here as they are in Australia. Literally everyone in Australia wears them. If you're in the U.S., they have a U.S. store. FISTHANDWEAR.COM. Get around it. And last but not least, we are brought to you by Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton. If you're in Australia and you're looking for a new or used car, then look no further than TropicalAuto.com.au. Get in contact with them. Ask for Kyle. He's been taking care of me and countless other members of the Gypsy Gang, and he will take care of you too. Thanks! Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy this epic episode with Ricky Bravo. I met a gypsy, but um, yeah, I had the Honda thing hit my inbox, inbox, and said you're in town. and I was like, done. I got yeah. gotta hit you up. So it, uh, yeah, worked out. Worked out pretty sweet. So Ricky, uh, Ricky Brabec is in the studio, fresh off a of Dakar win, mate. Second one, and uh, we spoke about doing this in what did I see? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. 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 What, what was? It? What's that desert challenge? Yeah, I think it was last year. Yeah, Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge at yeah. the awards. Yeah. So, and uh, we said we'd make it happen, and this is probably pretty good timing to do it. Really, it's the best timing <laughs> after after a win. We're headed to Supercross.
2: We're gonna ride the rally bike around the track, and yeah. Yeah, Is that, are you doing that today? No, no, that's gonna be tomorrow, like uh
1: midtime. Yeah, sick. All right, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome, dude. How do you think the big girl's gonna go?
2: Well, I, they're not gonna let me jump anything. So uh, yeah, but last time in twenty, I was like, hey, if we do it again, let's uh, let's put some gear on and jump the finish line
1: jump. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: fell, fell, don't let you. So. <laughs> Uh, it is what it is
1: at least we get to ride on the track and have yeah, fun yeah have did you ever see the videos of chucky um sending the supercross track at his place on yeah oh bro i was there the day that that he was doing it it was i think it was his first ride back from yeah. when he got hurt yeah from fink yeah, yeah. and he was just full send bro and yeah I was like, well but the bike was capable he's crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so how was uh how was the trip when did
2: you get back trip's good um we were in we were in Saudi for almost a month like three days shy of a month so uh yeah all was good I got back dude five days ago yeah so been stateside for five days it's been it's been awesome a lot of messages uh, a lot of phone calls yeah like interviews and uh no it's been good I'm happy to be home you know Saudi's not close so it was all good uh now we're gonna go to Supercross you
1: know we're we're on gyps tails, so we're having a we're having a ball. <laughs> That's awesome. What's it What's it like for a, a guy like you to win the Dakar? Uh, I, you've got a special Dakar story because you were the first American to do it on two wheels, and it's not like the biggest race in America. Comparing it to other, you know, other countries that support the Dakar, I feel like in terms of just the the everyday fan, but I feel like you're the guy that has kind of really put the Dakar on the map for the U S so I think like you kind of carry the, the U S spirit on your back in in a massive way. So like the first time you won compared to this time, like are you seeing more and more following like kind of come your way? Yeah. So, you know, as you said, the, the following for Dakar in
2: U S you know, people know about it, but they don't really pay attention or watch it. And yeah, since we, we won in 20, uh, you know, it it's been growing. It's been a it's been, you know, growing and people have been more interested into it. But now that we want again, hopefully, you know, the the following is gonna be that much more and more people wanna join. Yeah. I mean, it's not that easy to just go drive down the road and sign up and race, you know, it's a big operation to, to get it to, to happen. So for an American to go there it's not, you know, efficient, you know, they they can't yeah. just do it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to win it one time, to be the only American to win it one time and then to do it a second time, you know, that's freaking, you know, kind of un- unheard of, you know, so hopefully we can keep going and, and get more. And I encourage, you know, Americans to try to get there. It's not easy. It's not cheap, but it's worth every single penny, you know, cause you can live, you know, two weeks in the rally is more than what you're going to do here racing in U S so yeah. it's, it's a big adventure and it's it's a big challenge yeah just finishing alone is like a win in my book you know
1: oh man it's it's such a I, i haven't got to follow the the rally personally um in terms of being over there but obviously like going to the abu dhabi desert challenge and you know like knowing toby quite well and chucky and seeing what they've had to go through over the years like it's a beast of a race dude and and I mean, Saudi's no joke too. The dunes that you guys yeah. are going through, like it's a it's a big lift <laughs> for yeah. you guys yeah, to yeah. do what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's dude, it's full of up and downs. You can have a good day,
2: you can have a good day, then you have a bad day, and all of a sudden you're you're dive bombing. You know, your your mental state's not right, and then you have a bad day. So then the next day, you're like, man, yesterday sucked. Uh, what am I going to do today to try to get my spirit back up? And hopefully, you know you have another good day, but if you have one bad day, typically it's going to snowball to another, you know, not, not hopefully as bad of a day, but you know, you have that in your mind that, you know, yesterday I did this and I don't want to do that again. Yeah. But then when you're trying to race to make your day so positive, it's still in the back of your mind. And then next thing you know, yeah, you make a mistake. That mistake leads to another mistake. And then it just, you know, snowball effect. So, it's a lot of up and downs and if you can maintain you know Mm. a happy medium yeah then you're gonna ride and navigate and just be in a better mood the whole time and you know that's the thing with rally that's hard it's mentally kind of frustrating you know because you have a bad day then you're
1: like fuck man and you can lose you're losing like minutes 10 minutes 20 it's not like a you know, at two second, you're two seconds off in qualifying. Like, sometimes you're losing, like, chunks of time. And yeah. it'd be hard to see, like, how would I make that back? Ex- exactly. And that's where, like, the mental side of
2: it is really hard because, like you said, you you miss one corner. It's not like falling over in Supercross and losing, you know, five to ten seconds. It's like you miss one corner, you're losing five to ten minutes. Yeah, And then next thing you know, now you're thinking – how am I going to make that time back up? Like today's not going to be the day to make that time up. So tomorrow's going to be that time. And then next thing you know, tomorrow, what happened the day before is still in your head. Yeah. So you don't want to make a mistake, but then now you make another mistake and there's another five minutes. So it's, it's mentally, you know, exhausting and to, to have a level head and make sure that you're on top of your game. You know, you don't want to be on a high. I mean, yeah, you want to be on a high every day, but if you're too much on a high, yeah. You know, a little mistake is going to dive bomb you quick. So it's frustrating. I mean, no one does a perfect rally. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, I've, this is nine years for me and I still make mistakes and Toby 10 years. Yeah. He still makes mistakes. And it's like, it's just, it's part of the, the game. Yeah. How fast can you, you know, fix your mistake is actually the, the, the
1: most professional way. Yeah. So, yeah and knowing that you can't push every day i think as well or like that i'm sure you guys could go faster than what you're actually going at times too yeah but it's like you've got to be you got to be really chilled. level and really you're know, like no one to hold them no one to fold them kind of thing because you're just you're so out there i mean sam went out with the mechanical this year like you've had your you know rallies where you know you've gone out so it's like you're playing this balancing act between like pushing and 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 chilling and and, you know it it does not come easy out there 100% you know you have to
2: the hardest part like you said is like yeah we can go faster but some days you know we don't want to go faster (laughs) you know we have to play the game you know some some days we're You know, like you said, we're going slower to be set up for the following day. And some days we're pushing 100% because the next day, they say, is easier. But, I mean, dude, in the rally, they say, oh, tomorrow is easy, you know, less navigation. But that's like the day everyone makes mistakes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they'll say, we have a description, you know, of each rally. Like, on top, it says, you know, like, 20% asphalt, 5% sand, 19% rocks, you know, and so on. And then you go on the stage and it's freaking like 95% rocks. So it's like their description's a little <laughs> bit off. A little bit. But you still try to focus on, you know, the following day from what they said, you know, and that's how you set yourself up. Yeah. And, you know, it's not easy. You're trying to set yourself up, but next thing you know, you miss something. And then now you're not where you want to be. So it's 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 up and down yeah. constantly. Yeah.
1: So let's let's go back a little bit then to, uh, I guess, a bit of your story to get to Dakar like you said you've done it nine times you've won it twice you got second so you're very accomplished in in the sport but being an American and doing Dakar there's it there's not a huge history of guys that have come before you so how do you even get to the place where you do your first Dakar as an American so yeah
2: that's um you know I got a phone call from Quinn Quinn Cody and you know he was an an American that did Dakar, you know, kind of more in my era of, of knowing what Dakar was, you know, I was in high school, Quinn was racing Dakar and, you know, Robbie was racing Dakar and I was like, okay, as an American, we're going to, you know, focus on these guys. So I was racing national Heron and hounds, um, you know, Grand Prix, Baja, Besson Desert, yeah, you know, winning championships. And one day like Quinn calls me, Hey, what do you, what do you think about rally? And I was like, kind of in shock. Like, what do you mean? What do, what do I think about rally? I, I watch it. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I watch it. Asked if I was interested, if I wanted to do like, you know, two days of training and go to my first event, which was Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge huh. in 2015. Yeah. Quinn takes me out. Dude, I make every mistake you can make because I don't know what I'm doing. He just, here's a road book. I'm going to follow you. Let's go. I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, no way. I'm like, where do we start? It's right there on your road book. And I'm like, yeah, I understand, but I don't know anything about this. Oh, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, nice. Okay. (laughs) Dude, it took, I swear, dude, like eight hours to do, you know, 80 miles. No way. I was so lost, dude, missing everything. And, uh, that's how that's how it started for me yeah because quinn had a contact from honda at the time which was interested in me and you know that's how i got to my first rally so after my first rally i think i got like fifth in the abu dhabi desert challenge then they're like really stoked they asked me to go to another rally which was um i believe it was Ruta 40 in argentina the same year yeah did that one made you know Massive mistake! I missed a waypoint. You know, blew a lot of corners, and then uh, after that, they asked, "Hey, you want to go to Dakar?" They gave me a contract for Dakar. My first Dakar was uh, 2016. I got ninth overall. After that, hey, we'll talk in a couple weeks. Okay, couple weeks go by. You know, they they offer me another deal for the year for the next Dakar. So I took that, and that's kind of how you know it's snowball effect all the way to where i'm at now and yeah we won in 2020 we got close in 2019 21 was second 22 i don't know we had a mistake 23 crashed out and then uh yeah here we are 24 we won again so i think i got uh more or less lucky i was like i
1: was at the right place yeah, right place right time exactly but you'd done the right work leading up to it to be prepared for when the opportunity came kind of thing yeah so after my
2: first car, i was like man that was crazy i was not prepared for it get home get another contract and then i'm like i don't even know what to do johnny campbell reaches out to me then now i'm on jcr for american yep. S- stateside racing Johnny links me up with Jimmy Lewis, which is a like a motorcycle trainer in Prump, Nevada. Also did the Dakar back, you know, in the '90s. So then now I'm just spending, you know, all my time in Prump, Nevada. Dude, there's nothing there, <laughs> and it's either hot or cold, like really cold yeah. or really hot. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in Prump, Nevada. You know, learning road books, learning the tricks, learning the game uh learning how to do all this while you're frustrated and that's the hardest part is mm. when you're frustrated you still have to keep keep your cool you know and when you're racing you know in america you get frustrated normally you're just all right full gas yeah i'm pissed off <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do what i do and just move people just out of my smash way through everything yeah. yeah yeah but in a rally dude you do that back to your 10 minute mistake you know and next thing you know or you're breaking a femur and you're in a hospital in argentina exactly (laughs) yeah so that's that's the hard part is like when you're frustrated like cool your head down you know keep calm and try to focus on what you're doing right now don't get frustrated you know of a mistake you made you know get past it and that's the hard part so through my career you know jimmy likes to jack with me and make me frustrated just so i can go training frustrated mm. and it's it's been a roller coaster dude it's it's not easy i mean from social media of course it looks easy you follow me or you follow yeah you just look like a base that's killing it <laughs> yeah you follow me you follow toby you know you, all these guys aren't doing anything i mean for sure you follow toby that guy's just shooting guns driving trucks and uh, yeah. like, like man this guy doesn't do nothing uh, yeah but he goes out there and smokes us yeah and uh i mean it's it's a hard life it's not it's not all uh Skittles and
1: rainbows out there yeah yeah well i i feel like nevada's probably a pretty good state to live in to train for this shit like if you've got someone that can build your road books and then you can go out there like if you've got someone really knowledgeable that can build proper hard road books for you like you kind of have the terrain and you've kind of got like i'm guessing just endless shit that yep. you can ride through so there's not a lot of americans that have done the dakar and been as successful as you but there actually probably is some pretty awesome training here for it
2: that this is the ultimate training grounds yeah we have like a lot of fences and and military stuff but you link up with someone like jimmy that is in with you know this the i don't know the the blm and he knows what trails are legal, what trails are not legal, what, where there's fences and whatnot. So Jimmy builds books, you know, that are capable for rally. Mm. And a lot of people ask me like, well, how do I get into it? So if you get into it, you know, you need a bike with a big tank <laughs> and yeah. you, you can get into it by having an iPad and the app called the rally blitz and you just put it on your handlebars and you're good to go. But the biggest issue is like you just mentioned, where do you get a road book? Yeah. So now you're stuck. Yeah, I have all the equipment, but you 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 don't just go download a roadbook, you know, you have to find someone. Yeah. So Jimmy has like the ultimate stash of road books and you know, that's why we go there to train because he has the roadbooks. But uh that's you know, this is the best desert for it. It's not Saudi's not smooth, you know, Saudi's not South America. Yeah. Saudi's more or less like the Mojave Desert here yeah. in Nevada. So
1: Super rocky and like, yeah. The, rugged. Yeah, like the sandy, rocky cliffs. Yeah. And where you would start is get your
2: bike set up and call Jimmy because he, has, he <laughs> has the key, you know. He's got the source. Yeah. And that's how you should start. And yeah. then there's a rally in uh, mainland Mexico called Sonora Rally, which is the most affordable rally yeah. for us Americans because we can drive there. And it's a friendly, fun rally. Not super difficult, but you definitely get your feet wet. Mm. And you can figure out there, like, if it's something you want to pursue or something you don't want to pursue. So, you know, between Nevada and mainland Mexico, Sonora, you can figure out, you know, if you want to actually do it or not at
1: a reasonable price. Yeah. So, have you seen a big, like I guess, uptick in people doing rally since twenty twenty and since you had the win? I've had a bunch of people like reach out to me, basically asking the
2: questions that I just answered, like how yeah. would you would get into it. But um, as far as like my my you know naked eye seeing it actually happen, uh, not too much. I mean, I'm sure they're trying to do it, but I mean. I don't go training with these people because they don't ask me to go training with them, but yeah. <laughs> I, maybe, and hopefully now that, you know, we won twice, they, they get a grip on it and actually try to do it. And I, I encourage all of them to do it. You know, like it's fun. You can, you can go ride dirt roads or sand washes and you have a lot of fun. Cause you're always thinking, you know, you're like, yeah, you're focused on where you're trying to go also trying to dodge all these rocks and you know animals or whatnot but it's all fun because it's part of the adventure and yeah someone wants to go training dude give them a road book all right well i'd do what quinn and jimmy does to me like here you go yeah yeah where do i start it's right there Uh, page one brother (laughs) yeah page one (laughs) get to it but no it's all fun um i really enjoy you know rally i enjoy riding enduro and and moto but my my forte is you know the adventure across the desert. So that's why I choose to do Rally. And hopefully, like I said, it encourages other people to go take the adventure and take the task and see where it ends up. So where, where
1: did Black stop for you?
2: Was it a family thing? Yeah, so um, it's funny because I, I grew up in Hesperia, and there's like the, a small little area where you can ride. It's not really legal to ride, but we do it anyways. And it's called Honda Valley. Yeah. Well, everyone calls it Honda Valley. So that's what it's known as. But uh, I grew up there and I was able to ride from my house, but I, I grew up racing BMX and then riding was just something like you said, you know, me and the family and their friends at the time, I was dude, eight years old. So whatever, didn't have that many, you know, grown up friends, but yeah we'd go camping dude glamis we'd go to lucerne we'd go to Ridgecrest um a couple times a year weekend warrior style but my my focus as a kid was bmx racing and then uh once you know that kind of vanished i tried my first motorcycle race i think in 2006 or seven how old would you have been then thinking uh 2006 my first race i was probably 15
1: so you got a pretty light start to it then yeah, but yeah, so but you obviously build like a great foundation with BMX.
2: Yeah, and you know, racing BMX all my childhood years and riding, you know, like you said the foundation was was nice, you know, it was there. But when I tried my fr- and I rode, you know, motocross when I was younger on like my 65, my 85 and my 250F. But then once we met this one family in Arizona at my parents river spot, they were like, "Oh, let's go camping." It was a race, signed up for my first desert race. And ever since then, I was like, dude, that was freaking badass. That was fun. And I I enjoyed it. So from there, that's kind of when I pursued dad, this is what I want to do. I want to go race desert and dude, it all just kept snowballing. Next thing you know, well, like five years later, got a call to race in Mexico. I took that just to see, you know, just to expand my, my career at the time did that next thing you know i'm racing best in the desert and then now you know the older i was getting 20 21 i'm racing a score championship i'm racing best in desert championship and i'm racing uh national and hound championship and then like 25 uh 24 is when i get my rally call yeah so then i kind of you know leave best in desert i leave uh, score a little bit, and I leave Heron and slowly, and then I'm, I'm trying to focus on rally. So that was like my transition, basically, from you know 15 years old to where I'm at now. Yeah. And now I'm like, man, I've I've won the Dakar twice. Like, what, what else is there? Like, what else can we try to go do and try to win? And you know, what's the next challenge? But I mean, the next challenge,
1: dude. No Americans won it three times, so <laughs> <laughs> why don't we try to yeah. go for three? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just got kind of in a in a league of your own, in a sense. Like, you're the only American to win it, and you're the only American to win, to win it twice. And if you win it three, like, you're kind of just building a pretty crazy legacy of, you know, like... The it it can be done. Oh, man, for sure. And just to, to be done at a super, super high level. You yeah. know, like, it's really hard to win more than two as well. Like, two is a pretty crazy number. Like, Toby's on two... Uh, we were talking about this at the finish line, dude. We were like, all right, what do we do next? We all have we all have two wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all like, ah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, I, I mean w- I wonder if Toby's gonna go again. Did he say if he was gonna go again? I, don't, I think he's kinda on the fence about it.
2: Uh, dude, it's Toby. <laughs> you never know. You never know what this yeah. guy's doing. You follow him on Instagram, you don't know what he's doing, but he he might. I mean, he has it
1: yeah so i don't know no one knows what he, i don't even think toby knows what he's doing that's fair but yeah like so sunderland's got two there's, there's, kevin yeah 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 yeah. kevin's got two so yeah all of you guys are kind of in a group of right now the the group is yeah. all tied yeah so we i and we're all the same age
2: yeah true way so, very similar in age all you guys yeah so now we're all like man we can't just leave yeah Heck, someone's gotta break you know the two, so I don't know it's it's tough, but I don't know what's gonna happen and obviously all of us have two, you know, yeah, we all won three. yeah, but dude, just, like like we said earlier, just a finish is is a win, let alone to win one time and then win two times. Now we're all you know in the same boat, like, okay, well, can there be a third time? but dude it's not easy Mm. so who knows what what the future holds but i think yeah we could do three yeah (laughs) three feet baby (laughs) yeah three feet we could do it until you have one bad day then you're just dude kicking yourself in the ass and now you're mad and next thing you know you're
1: 30 minutes behind yeah there's a cool camaraderie as well between all of you guys and i think that like i mean maybe maybe it's worth explaining actually just doing like a high level explanation of dakar to any american listeners that don't really follow it because it's a crazy setup with the bivouacs that they build and the the uh what do they call them like the um the drives to the stages the liaisons yeah the liaisons to the stages like i mean you guys are up at 3 a.m in the morning pretty much every day like so what what's like a high level dakar explanation to someone before we like really get into the details of it
2: Uh that it's uh, dude like you said it's we're up at three in the morning and you know the first week is always easier than the second week because between those two weeks you have a rest day like i i don't i think it'd be cool without a rest day the rest day for me is like a wasted day and you kind of your body starts like you know on a rest day your body's going downhill you know you're Mm -hmm. you're you're resting so you're noticing how
1: fucked up you are
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly so the first week's always easiest because you know the food is the food whatever you know the liaisons the stages and then the finish liaison and then you get back to the bivouac, you're super stoked then you have the rest day kind of kicks you in the ass then the then you go back you know on stage seven and then you wake up every day just like, fuck, how many more days? Oh, we're eating what? Oh, the same food we just ate the last seven days? <laughs> and you're like, fuck, all right. What time we got to get up? 2.45? Motherfucker. <laughs> so it's like it gets harder and harder, you know, the second week every day. because oh, Because the closer you get, you know, the more excited you get. But also your body is freaking going downhill quick. And then the only thing you're thinking about the second week is home. Warm bed. When's that flight? You know? <laughs> Barbecue. Yeah. yeah. What day am I leaving? Uh, can I leave earlier? <laughs> so the second week's definitely tough. But yeah, you know we wake up three in the morning. We, we try to eat breakfast, but it's so damn early. And you're tired. You don't have a choice. You have to eat. So next thing you know, you're just shoving food in your mouth. And now you don't feel so hot. You're riding down this liaison. Dude, we had one... One day liaison was 500 Ks.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's so gnarly. I'm like, just to get to the start line of the stage. 500 K liaison, a 100 kilometer special,
2: and then I think a 90 kilometer liaison. So, dude, it was a long time in the saddle on the highway. Mm. This I don't agree with. You know, I'd rather just drive to the start, unload, race. Yeah. But that's not the Dakar. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want you to freaking struggle. So, yeah, we're waking up early. We're riding all morning in the dark. As soon as the sun comes up, we're starting the special. After the special, you're already smoked. Now you got to ride the liaison again to the bivouac. And now you get to the bivouac 3, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock p.m. Dude, long days. And then you get back to the bivouac starving. Obviously, you're not eating while you're racing. So you're trying to eat lunch at three thirty, four o'clock. And the next thing you know you got to wake up again the next day at three o'clock in the morning. So now you're eating lunch at four lights out at 8 PM. So now you're trying to eat lunch at four and dinner at seven. So Mm -hmm. now you're freaking just cramming in. Yeah. Cramming in the food and you're not even eating enough food or calories or carbs to like replenish your, your body. And it's it. Like I said, the first week's easy. You're stoked. Second week. You're like, all right, same food, same breakfast, you know, earlier mornings,
1: and then, all you're thinking about is home. Yeah, and yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I I, th- I think you you get races where it's like physically gnarly, but mentally it's more gnarly in a sense. But then you get some where it's like it's mentally not that gnarly. You've just physically got to smash your way through. Whereas Dakar just fully rinses you on every front. Yeah, like it just kills your body, it kills your mind, it kills your soul, and it's kind of designed to be that way in a sense. It's like it's almost like the Tour de France of of with an engine. Where yeah, it's just designed to make you suffer, and it's the dude that can deal with the most amount of shit is probably the guy that's gonna win. Yeah, exactly. They 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 don't
2: want they don't want you to finish, and <laughs> yeah. they they design yeah. it that way and like this year the first three days was gnarly and everyone was saying hey the first three days is survival they want to knock you out you know the first three days so that way you know
1: don't waste our time
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so the first three days was freaking gnarly dude and in, in what sense rocks yeah rocks trick navigation i mean dude it's four notes a kilometer so I mean, you've a kilometer, dude, is nothing. Yeah, yeah. But when you're trying to race, That's every 250 meters, you get in a note. Yeah, and now, dude, you're trying to race. Look, you're you're racing, dude. You're like this. You're not even looking right there. You're just riding like this because it's so it's so quick. Yeah. And uh, they, it's the Dakar. You know, they don't want you to just have a breeze and check out the scenery. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. At the end of the stage, oh, what do you think of the scenery? It's like motherfucker. <laughs> we're reading this road book and trying not to hit all the rocks
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't see it yeah. i'll go home and watch on tv how about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah send me some pictures yeah yeah exactly uh yeah so saudi's crazy though right like the the actual like i remember talking to skylar about the saudi dakar last year and he was just saying it was breathtaking like so much different to what people would think that saudi would be like obviously you've got the dunes which i think is what most people think attribute to a country like saudi arabia but it's actually wild the type of landscape that they have there the landscapes are are pretty insane like the walls like the
2: in Hail and alula the the walls and the canyons are so tall dude you're riding through these canyons and okay whatever you can look (laughs) i mean if you're going down this canyon you know, you're going a couple of k's on the canyon, but you just see the walls, dude, insane. And like, especially when the helicopter is like flying towards you through the canyons, really, oh, it's so sick. But the dunes are the dunes. I mean, all that could be anywhere. Yeah, it could be anywhere. They're big or they're small, whatever. But yeah, when you get into the landscapes, dude, like these walls are so tall, but there's like moss growing out of them, so it's like the it's like black rock or like dark brown rock, but then like with green growing out of it and Tall and like there's wild formations you know like there's a little stem like this with a big old fat rock like a balancing rock it's like dude how is that even possible but no it, it's it's insane i think it's the best country for this really yeah just yeah for the footage it's it's unbelievable it's it's nice
1: yeah well, i um i was well we we spent for a few months of the year in dubai and i fucking fully rated today like I, I mean i i think people have such a especially for america i think they got like a very different perspective of of what it's like but dude those countries in the middle east are so much fun like the food's amazing the people are hotels. the people are so nice like yeah the hotels are, are crazy good but I, I haven't been into saudi but from everything i've seen it looks unreal yeah well saudi like
2: jeddah riyadh like the the two main cities and like you said like dubai like the the building and like the landscapes you know the way they build things dude is insane it's not like here in america we're just we're building boxes on top of boxes and over there every building has like some
1: wild feature like dude it's sick i think it's cool yeah and do do you get like do you enjoy that the food and stuff like that over there as well do you get into it or are you pretty american when it comes to the food
2: no, I, 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 when I travel, I try to eat, you know, yeah, sweet. Okay. What, what they eat, you know, yeah. just uh, dude, American food, you can get that anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, when we're there, we we try to eat, you know, what the culture has and is. I like it. Yeah. Like you said, Dubai, dude, the food's good. Saudi's the same. Yeah. It's, it's good. Their grocery stores are insane. Crazy,
1: right? Yeah. Like, that you can find anything there. Yeah. Like, at a good quality. Yeah that's the one thing that when my like when my wife came over for the first time she was so skeptical about the whole thing eh? <laughs> and dude the you know the have you been into like the uh the dubai mall like the main one that they got there there's they've got one supermarket in the dubai mall that's like one of the most insane things i've ever seen in my life like just every country basically has its own like produce grocery yeah so, and like she's russian so there's like this whole russian section with like every single kind of <laughs> russian cheese pickles like just the, the fish the whole deal and it's actually mind-blowing yeah. The uh yeah the level of like the food that they've got there like it's, it's so insanely multicultural as well so it's a pretty pretty epic place to be I'm, i think it's cool that you like the rally from that standpoint as well yeah, no, and and
2: I feel safe, like, yeah d- dude, in Alula, the first day of the, of the rally, we're cruising down this road, we're like, dude, two, three kilometers past where they had, like, turrets on side of the road, missiles, dude, pointing <laughs> into the sky, and I'm like, dude, Toby, you see freaking, they're ready to go to war here, dude, like, we're, I don't know if we're safe or if we should be sketched out we're racing through like bomb land yeah does this
1: mean we're super safe or super unsafe yeah yeah and man
2: we were they had like six missile launchers dude just pointing straight into the sky and i'm like man that's (laughs) freaking gnarly that's something you don't see here yeah but uh no the rally the food the the stores like the mall you said i haven't been to the dubai mall but i've been to uh
1: in abu dhabi they have like the ferrari yeah yeah ferrari yeah. world yeah mall. on yaz island there oh i know that mall you're talking about that
2: one's sick too yeah, it's, it's like pretty pretty wild dude
1: the malls here are lame <laughs> <laughs> in comparison yeah so um so your rally in particular uh how did it start off like how are you feeling coming into it what did you have like a a good run coming into this one no injuries like the good bike setup like bike development so uh yeah this year we had you know a new bike new chassis and oh
2: you guys rode the new brand new sick yeah so we spent all last year developing the bike and you know set up and developing a new bike is not easy i mean yeah you can go buy a bike if you ride a honda you know your whole life and then you go buy a whatever you go buy a ktm it's not easy to set that bike up if you've been on you know honda your whole life so it's more or less like the same thing as chase sexton exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah we have a new bike uh spent all year dude back and forth up and down dude getting this thing to work and yeah before the dakar i did some training with Skyler. dude I had a big crash in uh oh, in nevada that
1: was massive
2: dude yeah i had a big crash and i'm like man that that hurt and then now i'm like okay the bike i broke the bike and now going into dakar i'm like kind of scratching my head like damn i I don't know what's gonna happen so were you hurt out of it or yeah dude i dude busted my face busted my hand i busted i got some scratches whatever but most of all like the bike was hammered yeah and uh was that your race bike that you were planning
1: on racing or
2: no it it was it was a brand new model bike but my training bike yeah okay so smash that thing up pretty good and then uh going into dakar you know i had mixed feelings because i was like man the old bike for sure wouldn't have done this to me Mm. so it it was just like a learning process of trying to figure out how to ride the new bike versus the old bike
1: yeah what's the new bike based on
2: um it's based out of a i think like an x or an rx chassis yeah okay and uh yeah it's obviously a little bit more rigid so there's things we had to work on but yeah going into the rally i was mixed feelings prologue comes around we do some shakedown it's good prologue comes around make a little mistake of prologue and now i'm like kicking myself in the ass you know before the race even starts because now i'm like dude day one i did a shit prologue now i'm gonna have to start in the front and i'm gonna lose time today blah blah but in the end everyone made almost the same mistakes so the
1: times were still close yeah so I got lucky so did you you qualified way further up than you wanted to basically or how did it work so in the in the prologue
2: the rally GP guys like however many there are there could be 20 or 17 or 15 those guys can pick you know their starting order Mm -hmm. but obviously if you qualify first you're gonna be the last person to pick your spot and have you know the most opportunity well, I think I was like 11th. So I'm like, damn, I'm, you know, and and typically when it's the rally GPs uh, that can pick, it's typically the way they pick is gonna be the reversed order of mm. the the finished prologue. So now I'm thinking in my head, like, damn, I got 11th. I'm gonna start freaking way up front tomorrow. and All these guys are gonna start behind me. And that's gonna fall into all tracks. Yeah, so now, you know, now i'm the guy being hunted mm. on day 1 so day 1 <clears throat> big stressful day you know day 1 was a big day rocks I, I you know the rocks i enjoy the rocks i i can ride the rocks i grew up here yeah so like you said with the with the desert and the terrain it's it's rugged this is where i grew up so i feel comfortable in it day 1 turned out good i got you know second on the day so from day 1 <clears throat> I was like already kind of on a high, like, okay, I did good today. Tomorrow I start second. The guys are still starting behind me, mm. but now I'm like, okay, I started second. So I didn't lose time yesterday and I'm going to gain bonus time on day two. Cause I'm starting up front. Yeah. yeah. So then on day two, dude, me, Nacho and Ross open up the whole day. We all get bonus time cause we're so close to each other. So then, after day two, I think all of us finished, you know, like three, four, and five. So day two was another high. You know, I'm like, man. we're crushing. <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah, we're doing good. Like, how come no one's, like, putting these 10-minute gaps to us? Yeah. Day three, fuck, here we go again. Like, they're all hunting us down. Day three comes around. Okay, we get three, four, five again, or more or less like that, right in the middle. Us 3 were basically positioned perfectly every day we were right in the middle of you know the ktm gas gas and husky you know every day so what we did on on day one i think set the mood for the rest of the rally yeah which is crazy to think right yeah and this is what i'm this is what i was talking about to the team i'm like i don't know how this is working out like this because i'm always we're always starting in front of these guys like when when are they gonna make the massive push and put 15 minutes to us Mm. and this is the hard part is you know we're now we're thinking fuck what are they gonna do when it when when is gonna be the the breakaway day when are they gonna put massive time on us and just leave us in the dust but that day never came Mm. so I think from stage one we did like a good show and I think it placed us perfectly on day two which would have placed us perfectly for three and so on all the way to the finish yeah and then now we get to rest day i just take the overall lead on rest day like the day before rest day by one second and now i'm like fuck dude one second gap like this is the most stressful race i've ever done what what am i going to do one second is it, nothing literally nothing <laughs> we're, we're starting the rally on day seven now
1: yeah yeah yeah. and
2: now yeah the whole first week is a wash yeah and now we're starting the second week tired closer to being home thinking about the flight thinking about barbecue you know thinking about <laughs> holidays <laughs> yeah and now i'm like fuck man we're so close it's it's like we're starting a new rally but we've been working our ass off the last six days so i had it you know I had an idea of what I was going to do when I was going to do it. So the day after rest day, I played a little bit of games. I I caught Ross, which was the guy that was in second, one second behind me. So I caught him. So now in my head, I'm like, okay, I made three minutes on him. I'm going to sit with him all day. So I got him. Dude, he was like, all right, you know, go go open up. I'm going to sit behind you. And I was like, okay, whatever. I do half the stage with him just sitting behind me we are getting closer to the finish and i just kind of like pull over you know go ross i'm gonna follow you in and i just followed ross in but sat way back in the dust and kind of went you know like 50 percent. yeah which placed me and ross perfectly for the following day but ross started right behind me so i made up three minutes on ross and then the next day he could make up three minutes on me leaving the gap to be one second so i'm like fuck all right the next day, I don't have a choice. Like I have to yeah. get on it. The next day, I think eight, dude, I was 110% on the gas, caught up to Toby. Me and Toby rode together. I lost my rear brakes, uh hit like my caliper on a rock and it was warped. So it just made the thing super hot. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I was like, Toby, I don't got rear brakes. So if you wanna, like, if you can ride faster in front of me, then go for it. And he's like, no, mate. I can't even keep up with you with rear brakes. <laughs> but I in my head, I had like a vision of how I was going to do this day. Like I, Ross started behind me, and obviously I didn't want him to catch me to make up three minutes on me because I had already had yep. that gap. So yep. I was like, okay, I'm going to freaking, I'm going to juice it. All day, dude, I made like a seven-minute gap to Ross. So now that I put my lead up, and they're asking me, oh, are you a little bit more uh, relaxed now that your lead is uh, this? and i'm like no dude seven minutes is nothing because <laughs> you blow one corner it's 10 minutes yeah so now it's even more stressful because now the next day i'm starting 12 minutes ahead of ross so now ross has another advantage to make up on me so oh, second week was so stressful and then uh cards didn't work out how i wanted to so in stage 11 uh Ross, in my mind, I was thinking stage 10, Ross is gonna beat me and open up stage 11 and I'll have another opportunity to make up minutes on Ross, but didn't work out that way. Ross finished, I think like eighth on stage 10 and I was first Mm. and our gap was like seven minutes at this point, but Ross started 18 minutes behind me. So now I'm opening up the road and now I'm worried that Ross is gonna catch me 18 minutes and it was a big stressful day. But stage eleven, no one caught me. I nailed it, rode slow and just nailed the navigation, and I ended up uh at the last refueling, I I heard I was winning the stage by like forty seconds. And I was like, fuck. I don't want this, you know, I don't wanna open the last day. Mm. So the last, you know, couple of kilometers, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go fifty percent back or down. Then Ross ended up beating me by like twenty seconds. So it's all a game, dude, and mm. the the minutes—seven minutes, ten minutes—is nothing. Because if I start first and you start third, you can make six minutes on me, and if I only have a seven-minute lead, then that leads out the window. Yeah, and the the three days after rest day of like one second, dude, to three minutes—it's nothing. And it was the most stressful thing, dude. I've most stressful race I've ever done in my life because I'm like every day you're thinking about how can you bridge the gap? How can you push? But you push, then you risk making a mistake and then losing all the time that you're trying to gain. And it's it was a headache.
1: And so how did those last few days
2: play out for you? The last few days was stage 11. I had to open. Ross was 18 minutes behind me, so I was really stressing. And this is where the frustrating – rally training comes in play you know because yeah you're frustrated or you have mixed feelings about how the day is going to go and the time you're going to lose but I just tried my best like to keep my cool and I tried not to let it bother me but uh no it worked out it worked out really well and then um on 12 stage 12 it was the last day I started behind Ross so What I did on 12 was I just sat behind Ross the whole day because I hadn't, you know, obviously I I needed the bike to get to the finish line, but Ross was fighting for second place and my teammate was fighting, you know, to get second or third. So Ross had a big job, you know, because Ross didn't want to lose second. But the last few days was uh, was stressful. And after stage 11, you know, I, I opened the whole stage and I was pretty confident. Like, okay, like, we sealed the deal, but there's still one more day of racing. So like the emotions on stage 11 were like, meant more to me than the finish of the actual rally Mm -hmm. because that was like- That's where it could really go wrong. Yeah. And I was like, stage 11 was a day where we were gonna lose or we were gonna maintain. And we maintained it. So the last three days was stressful because we opened up stage 10. I caught my teammate on stage 10. I started second. He started first. We rode together, but also Ross had a big advantage to catch us. So we worked together on 10 and then we were, we tried to work together on 11, but no one caught me. So it was stressful, but I still had like the comfort knowing my teammates were behind me. So if I made a mistake, a three minute mistake, I know there's someone behind me that, that will lead Mm -hmm. me the right way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, dude it's it's hard to explain because you don't you don't know until you're there you know yeah yeah
1: so man that's a crazy uh that's a crazy way to win that race like you just had it pretty much like under control but scared like scaredly under control the entire time like it's all you'd almost just be like waiting for the gotcha moment where that role was where was it wasn't in control but yeah because like you it's never safe it's never guaranteed <laughs> out there you know like the level of anxiety <laughs> that you must have had would have been through the roof bro yeah people are like oh you know you controlled the race well but yeah. dude it's
2: yeah i i tried to but one little thing and you're not in control anymore so i i think like the best thing i did was just keep calm you know and like stay level-headed keep calm and then just ride your own your own race don't worry about it's easy to say don't worry about everyone else but dude oh, that's the, the, the only thing you're worrying about is yeah, everyone else yeah, yeah so no it, it was uh it, it couldn't have gotten better honestly like in 2020 on stage uh three i was way in the back so i made a big push and i gained a big gap you know so i was able to maintain in 20 way easier because i had like a 17 minute lead on mm. day three but at this rally, dude, times were freaking one second, seven seconds, three minutes. Like That's it, crazy, It man. was slowly building. But, you know, I, in my opinion, I want a big gap right away so I can cakewalk it. But, no, the boys definitely kept us, like, on our toes all two weeks. And like I said, I was waiting for, you know, I was waiting for Toby to freaking make a big push one day and just kill us. But I don't know. I, it just everything worked out so perfect this rally that i it how do you repeat that mm-hmm. you, you can't it's it's impossible so i think for the future just the only thing i could think of is just stay calm i guess
1: yeah yeah you've it's that race presents itself to you though yeah you know, like it, it It's would be very hard i mean I just don't think you go and dominate the dakar and fully have it under control like i mean this sounds like that as much as you possibly can in a sense but it's like you know just the it's set up by the first day and then the second day it's just like it slowly is this evolving thing that you've got to kind of manage but you almost can't ever have a plan going into a a dakar rally you know you can have a plan but (laughs) if it works no one's gonna respect it yeah yeah you can have a plan but if it works that's a miracle yeah yeah and if it doesn't then that's rally yeah that makes sense Yeah. yeah has the level increased a bunch in the last few years like it really seems like even talking to tobes like i think from the first year he did it to the last time we would have spoke about it, he's like, "Dude, it's getting pretty gnarly." So yeah, because Toby started in fifteen
2: it was his first Dakar, I believe. My first Dakar was sixteen. So you know, the bikes have evolved. You know, they're more fast. They're more agile. You know, they're they're more motor motocross style. You know, they're 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 quick handling, and uh, the speeds now. Okay, people say the speeds back in the day were fast, which I'm not taking that from them. The speeds for sure were fast back in the day with their twin-cylinder freaking bikes. But now with the rally, like within the last couple of years, it's a freaking – it's like a sprint enduro. It's a long-distance sprint enduro because, I mean, there's – you could play all the games you want, but you don't want to play games because uh, – you you play a game you're gonna lose five minutes mm. where right now obviously looking back at this rally with a one second gap dude we're we're on the gas the whole time that's yeah, like world cup downhill times <laughs> yeah so as as you talked to toby you know in the earlier years of our career in rally it was more uh game playing more figuring out you know if you're going to stop on side of the road for a couple minutes but now you stop on side of the road for a couple minutes that couple minutes is going to put you way in left field and you're not going to have a chance to to win so now within the last 4 years it's a it's a moto race dude from the start of the special to the end it's it's no you know lollygagging around mm. and that's where i think it's involved you know we're riding hell of a lot faster and hell of a lot more aggressive you know we're we're not just in the dunes just going taking it all in yeah Yeah.
1: we're we're jumping and risking a lot oh man yeah like there's the some of the boys that i ride with in dakar that are in dubai like they they're all dakar and the rally guys they're no joke man like the guys that are out there training and they are fully sending shit and so like you know Belushi yeah 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 so I spend like a bunch of time with Belushi um, in Dubai and like he the way he explains like even reading the dunes like how he knows what's on the other side of it you know like just the from the colour and the shape and the way that the wind has been blowing the night before like there's a crazy art to going fast in the dunes in the way that you guys do you know and and like you you've never seen any of this stuff you're doing it for the first time at 100 miles an hour like it it is pretty out of control and the level for it to just keep going and going every year it just steps up and up and up yeah it's 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 crazy and you know they
2: the organization wants us to slow down but it's like dude the bikes and the competition. We, like,
1: And you guys are just so good. Yeah, it, and now, and
2: that's another thing is, when Toby started, and when I started, uh, dude, these guys weren't training. Mm. They were just flying in, racing, and flying out. Then, you know, I started training here, and then uh, the other team started training, and now uh, all the teams, Dude, they're they're training through the whole year where i think in the older days they just showed up and raced but now it's like the teams show up a week before the race do some training race go home take a week off and then they're back in the roadbooks training at home mm. and that's where i think the level is uh you know it, it's it's going up because now the organization wants us to slow down so they're going to make a tricky roadbook well we're kind of ahead of that cause we're already training, you know, for some tricky road books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're you know, they're probably scratching their head. Like how the hell are these guys doing this road book? You know, so good. And so fast we spend all year, you know, training for you to basically screw us over. Yeah. So yeah. That's I think where like the level got so intense is everyone started figuring out everyone's plans and ideas of going home and training before they go racing. Where, I mean, yeah, you go home and go to the gym, go ride motocross, but that's not training for rally. Rally's doing road books. Mm. And that's where I think the level went up is everyone figured that out and now teams are just, okay, we're going to go to Morocco for two weeks just to go training. Yeah. Dude, that was never done before. Yeah. KTM's coming to, you know, America now to do their training and to do their their they're that's very recent yeah since 2021 yeah so they're building their bikes out here they're doing they're testing out here honda's been out here for doing that since 2012 on the rally bike so who who's next
1: to come out here you know yeah and do you see like where do you see it going from here in terms of the level like do you think do you think that there's like more like up and coming people that are gonna start looking and like train younger and younger and younger to try and get into it because i mean it's lucrative dude like there's big money big bonuses like it's a it's a prestigious event to win it can like really set you up like if you if you can win dakar multiple times like you can really set your life up yeah i mean
2: that's the ultimate goal is to win multiple times and have your life set up uh but the The younger generation, like the younger kids, um, there's not too many young kids in rally. It's a, it's a like a, it's like, a man sport. It's a mature sport. You know, yeah. you you can't just send a kid out there and be like, all right, well, just <laughs> yeah. go wide open. You know, you have to really take care of the machine, take care of yourself, not get lost, not crash, and you bring a fired up, you know, 18 year old out there. What's the yeah, it might
1: not be the best recipe.
2: Yeah, and you know, typically like a young rally racer and I mean right now Mason, he's a young rally racer, but like the average age for rally is like twenty five, you know, that's like typically like the young person. And that's when I started. That's my teammate started at twenty five. I think all the all of us where we're at was twenty five, I think. Toby yeah, was the same. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the older you get, obviously, you know, it's not super cross. You're not, you're not trying to battle the kids when you're 35 years old, but I, th- I would say like 30 to 37 is kind of like the prime for rally, just because, you know, if, if you start at 25 or 26, Yeah, you couple can get years, that experience. Couple years experience to know what's going on, then by the time you're 30, you know, you're, you're fired up. You have four years of experience. You know what's coming. You've matured as a person. And uh, I, I think that's like the safest bet. And I think that's like the, the prime, you know? Yeah. So it's not like a super young person's sport. It, but you, if you're going to be young, you have to be smart and realize, okay, like, this is fucking dangerous. Yeah. Don't just go think you're going to win on the first day. Keep your cool. So... I would like to see like younger people get into it. But as I mentioned earlier, if you're a younger person getting into it, maybe go, you know, do some training with Jimmy Lewis and then go to Sonora rally, just so you get your feet wet
1: in something to know if that's what you want to do. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough gig, tough, tough gig to get into a tough game to get into. Everyone that, everyone that did get into Dakar has a pretty crazy story of, of how it happened it seems like you know whether you talk to toes whether you talk to skylar yourself like it's very it's like a it's almost a path that you can't set yourself up yeah like. in a in a sense you know it almost seems like everyone that's gone to dakar and done well at dakar has been a very like kind of weird road to get there i think maybe chucky like tobes kind of Paved the way a little bit for Chucky in a sense because they did all the same races in Australia. They, you know, like kind of were on the same brand. So maybe Chucky's pathway into it was a little bit, um, maybe more laid out. But I mean, even still, yeah, it just seems like everyone that ends up doing Dakar kind of has like a really strange way that they got into it. And I was like, I never planned on this, but here we
2: are. Yeah. I mean, dude, they don't make the Dakar easy, let alone like getting to Dakar is not easy. So,
1: was it how much is it to even enter it's like it's
2: pretty 25 grand it's gnarly, huh well that's yeah that's just your that's just like your 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 paper with your signature like there's my entry fee right there but now you want to go rent a bike it's another 30 grand you break the buck break the bike now you got to buy parts you <laughs> need you need somewhere to sleep so you need a motor home yeah so i think like the cheapest way that you can do the dakar would be like the original by mode tool, like the the Iron Man guys that you know work on their own bike, sleep in their own tent. God, that's savage. Yeah, I think this way to do it is probably like fifty grand. But dude, you you write a fifty thousand dollar check and you hope it all works out. <laughs> it's like a lot of people are like, man, I, that race doesn't mean that much to me. I'd rather have that, you know, in the bank. But. <laughs> yeah. It's experience, and who knows where it can lead to? You know, yeah. it could lead to so many things, or you could shit the bed and blow your money and not have a good experience. Yeah, but it's a it's a risk you have to be willing to take. Yeah. So I think like like you said, I think everyone that's into rally has a a different story, and I think every story's unique. You know, how how I got into it, how Skyler got into it, Skyler freaking sold his life. He has a crazy yeah. story to do what he did, man. Yeah, so you know everyone has a different story, and it's not easy to get to Dakar, and it's not easy to be in the Dakar. So they definitely don't make. Let any, alone to
1: be successful in the race, too.
2: Yeah, they don't make it. They don't make it easy. Uh, any, any step of the way. You know, yeah, 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 any step of the way. So it's it's quite a mission to to get there. And hats off to everyone that's you know got there on their own. My girlfriend did the same thing this year. She. You know fundraise, sold some cars and you know kind of went like Skyler's route to get a dakar but she raced a side by side and oh sick that's 400 grand no yeah fuck so how'd she go she did good she was doing really good and uh (laughs) stage 11 like kicked her kicked her ass but for her first dakar she got a stage win first american female Yeah. That's epic. Yeah, and she was on a podium spot, but stage 11 like had some issues and kind of knocked her back. But, yeah, first first American female to get a stage win and her first Dakar, and she's like, I don't know, she's, she's really competitive and uh, she's like really mad at herself. But, dude, for your first Dakar to get a stage win and finish fourth in the class, like that's an accomplishment. Like yeah, you said huge. earlier, yeah. you finish and you're accomplished, you know? Yeah so no she's she's upset she wanted to win she wanted to be on the podium but dude the Dakar is not easy you finish a Dakar that's a win the next the first step get the Dakar second step finish a Dakar third step okay go back and win yeah but you have to go first to figure it all out yeah not easy how stressful was it knowing that your girlfriend was in the race as well so it I mean it wasn't too stressful because we we started so early and uh by the time we got back to the bivouac, you know they have like that Dakar app you could follow. Yeah, yeah. So I would just check in at the waypoints, and then she brought um, like an assistant. Her name's Cynthia, so I would text Cynthia and kind of get some updates. Because I think Cynthia had a uh, you know more knowledgeable updates than what I could get just from my phone. So yeah, we you know checking in every day, but I think we saw each other like twice in the whole rally. Just, no shit. So you guys weren't able to like sleep in the same place. No. And- no
1: no way nah,
2: dude she was coming into the bivouac as like our lights were going out because you know they yeah they start like, they're after they start like four hours after the bikes yeah so and and they're a little bit slower on the stage so by the time they get in it's like seven eight p.m and you're just about to go to bed yeah because we're waking up in a couple hours <laughs> dude, that's gnarly yeah so did you have any sketchy moments this year Stage ten, um, no sketchy moments. The whole rally, but stage ten, dude, like, eight hundred meters before the finish was like a, was like a, a fast valley, but you know, a little rise, but it had some sand ruts in it, and uh, I was like, I was going full gas. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sit down and like nail this corner. But right when I sat down and put my left leg out, dude, my 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 left boot caught the rut. Dude, twisted my leg all the way back, ripped my leg off oh. the motorcycle. I heard a I heard a pop in my ankle like through my earplugs and the sound of the motorcycle. And now like Oh, you were limping when you walked in here. Yeah, no, my my ankle is like black and green right now. No shit. Yeah, so stage 11. I couldn't even walk after stage 10. Dude, I got you know some work done on it. They taped it up for stage 11. But the adrenaline, you know, like you don't really realize the adrenaline what the effect of that does against pain.
1: It's insane,
2: eh. Yeah, so toughed it out it hurt took some like uh pain reliever like uh aspirin not aspirin but like advil or something to yeah. make the pain less and uh i got home whatever was limping and then uh just it's getting worse and worse by the day but i don't know i for sure like something's torn in there because it's like the size of a baseball and uh it's black and green so yeah i, w- I want to ride dude it's freaking been raining it's so sick out here right now and i want to uh, go riding but yeah dude to get my foot in the boot would be a pain in the ass and then by the time i'm done riding i don't even know if i'll get my foot out of the boot so yeah. kind of just you know scratching my head just looking at everyone else go riding but
1: oh, i know the hills have looked amazing in the oh, middle of day the- dude it's yeah it's so good right now where, where do you stay most of the time so i i moved to arizona yeah that's what I thought when we spoke in Abu Dhabi. I
2: thought you were in Arizona. I moved to Arizona and um, my parents live in Asperia. So, like Top Cone Pass, close to Glen Helen. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I come out here, I just stay there. Yeah. But when I come out here, I bring my mountain bike, my motorbike, my desert bike. So I could, like, kind of pick and choose and be here for a couple of days. But this time I couldn't bring anything because I'm like, dude, my ankle, it's, it's a freaking cankle right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I need to get it checked out, but... You're just on a victory lap, though. Yeah. That, that can wait. Yeah, it's like, I'll just wait. You know what? I-
0: okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai
2: Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating,
1: my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. If I spend my day going to the doctors, what are they gonna tell me? Oh, just stay off it for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah,
1: I could just, I could have told myself that I said of waste my day going to the doctors. So that's what I'm trying first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, when you got you got the supercraft, you got, you know, all the interviews that you're doing and you're you're an in-demand guy right now. So yeah, right. Got no around. time for that shit. Exactly. Limp around, get it done. Yeah the uh the high des is a bit of a i don't know if it's like a secret gem but fuck it's pretty cool up there eh? hey the best writing dude everyone says it everyone from from the high des i'm real good friends with kiefer oh yeah yeah so kiefer i mean he
2: he has a lot of like secret tracks you know he does a he does a really good job making all these little tracks i don't know he just has I don't know. He just builds tracks to go riding. Yeah. But they're always really good. And, like, Travis Preston's up there. Obviously, uh, Kiefer's kid's doing really good. Yeah. So I think, you know, between Kiefer and uh, Travis, I think they're kind of grooming Aiden, you know, to keep going up. And uh, I think it keeps Travis and Chris, like, on point and do the tracks that they have. Are, I mean, when I was racing Heron Hounds, dude, in, in 2015, 16, 17, and 18, I was riding with uh Kiefer and Gary Sutherland every day on these tracks, you know, and I think that's what made you know, groomed me into where I'm at today because, you know, Kiefer is... I don't know how old that guy is. He's gotta be damn near close to fifty. Yeah,
1: he'd be getting there. But, <laughs> he'd be getting there.
2: But dude, he rips. Fully rips, bro. And I'm like, Okay, well this guy's freaking way older than me, but I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna latch on to him and see what he's doing. So that's kind of like what i was doing when i was racing in hounds in 15 16 17 18 and like i said i think that's what like groomed me to be where i'm at today but the tracks are sick especially right now with the rain i'm sure he's out there now nah, he's on the east coast right now he's pissed oh really yeah so yeah he he's bummed because it rained
1: and he wants to be home riding yeah, but and, i know they scored a good last time yeah the, the, the last rain that they had so now he's on the east coast riding in mud but <laughs> yeah i mean
2: Kiefer does a good job building tracks. Uh, we have multiple trails, and it's all in the same area. You can go rip a 30-minute moto on this track right here. And if you're, like, bored, you can go ride, you know, these enduro trails that are also super sick. And, you know, I, that's where I grew up, and that's I was able to ride every single day on this stuff. So I, the desert's the, the spot, but I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, everything's being built up, and yeah, really, it's eventually going to go away. But right now is
1: a time to to go yeah get it before before it's not there anymore yeah yeah man it's i always see the videos and stuff that he's posting in the tracks he's always asking me to come ride but i haven't been able to get up there yet but dude i want to get up there so bad yeah
2: you got to go when it's like raining i mean you can go if it's dry or like when it's dry if you want but the experience that you have when it's wet dude you'll be like fuck,
1: unreal (laughs) yeah the dirt is so good it's like they're done real. Keefer was telling me the other day that, uh, I can't remember when it was, but him and Aiden were doing like a, a proper moto. And, uh, and Aiden caught him and he just couldn't pass him. And he was like revving him, revving him. <laughs> and, re- and so he just fully blacked out and just cleaned them both out. And like he said, that he went fucking flying and they were just fully in each other he's like bro had the heaviest moment <laughs> in the, ever with aiden like fully in each other's girl he's like the little fucker's is getting old enough to uh to really get into me these days take out his dad oh, yeah it's, it's funny they're always uh
2: you know comparing lap times and i it's so it's so good to have you know chris and aiden you know i mean yeah aiden rips but dude to have I mean, a good mentor like his dad. His dad freaking rips still, and like his dad can help Aiden. Like, no, this is what I did, and you know, Aiden. I hopefully Aiden sees that and like follows it. But dude, Kiefer freaking rips for
1: the age. Like, dude, and but, he, he's just the most solid dude too. Yeah, the nicest. The, the whole family is actually. Yeah. No, I I love them. They're they're awesome. I don't see them that much anymore because I moved away. But no, they're good people and Arizona's, i mean kind of similar i guess you put guys probably get less less rain but um i mean similar desert and i'm sure that there's a lot of tracks and stuff out there as well no tracks out there there's one in havasu oh really i haven't ridden it but like our
2: trails are super sick yeah and like from from hesperia to where i live now is like two hours and 20 minutes so it's not far it's just on the other end of like the mojave desert yeah but uh You know, I come to Asperia and I bring my mountain bike, my moto bike, and my desert bike, and I'll stay here for, you know, three days, four days, and I'll kind of, you know, I'll ride Glen Helen, then I'll ride mountain bikes, or if I, you know, everyone wants to go ride the desert, I'll ride the desert. But normally I come down here just to go ride moto because I can ride the desert at home, but no, I I try to make my time worth it when I'm here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm bummed I haven't seen you at Glen Helen before.
2: I was, I'm sure, dude, I'm, I, i i'm almost positive the last time i was there you were there uh riding because i saw your uh story Ah, oh, dude i didn't i don't think i saw you out there dude, i i parked by myself i ride till like one o'clock and i'm out of there what's your program when you're there ride wise how long in motos are you trying to do uh so i'm not like a big uh, watch guy yeah. or like heart rate monitor guy and <laughs> keeper tried multiple years and times to get me on this program but i'm like dude I just put my gear on, I ride. So, uh, whatever, like 20 minute motos is, is good. I'm not racing motocross. I don't need to go kill myself, but I just think like the, you know, the corners, the jumping and just like the way you ride moto helps so much for off road that, you know, 20 minute motos, three of those couple fun laps call it a day, but I'm not a moto guy. I'm, I'm kind of big. So, uh, I just ride moto to help me another like moto is really good for you, like to keep you flexible for mm. enduro style stuff, you know, cause you're leaning the bike so much, you know, you're getting your leg way up there a lot more movement on the bike and it all, it all helps, you know? And I think the same for, for uh trail riding. Yeah. 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 Like the moto guys don't do trail riding, but if they did trail riding, in my opinion, I believe that if they did trail riding like technical stuff in the rocks it could help you know it could make a benefit somewhere in moto
1: because how would only moto help you know enduro guys Mm. so i'm no no i dude i fully agree like when we we do these big rides in in oz where we go to the tip of australia and back so it's like i don't know three thousand k's up and and back or whatever and you're on the bike for two weeks it's like it's our own little dacca but we're getting on the piss every night and <laughs> <laughs> sleeping in swags we got all the all the support vehicles and that but the end of that it's funny like i actually had one day that there was like one moment i remember it was like i think it was the last or maybe second last day so i mean we're doing like eight hours on the bike pretty much every day like through single track fire roads and got all the maps well we got all the routes kind of pre-planned or whatever and there's 16 17 bikes different skill levels so you can kind of like send it or hang back and go a bit slower but there was like one day i drove out filled my bike up and i rode out and i didn't even put my hand my other hand on the handlebar until i was doing like 130 k's an hour (laughs) and i'm just like i look down at the speed i'm like fuck you get way too comfortable like when you do back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back to yeah. back days and then you just start to notice that you're doing things on the bike, it's way more of just like an extension of you because you're putting so much more like physical hours of riding on the bike. And you could do – that's probably one day of riding is probably like eight, nine, ten days of moto. Yeah. So, it's like to, to be able to – and then if you do that back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to – back to back to back, the bike skill and it's just like a general feeling that you have like even you know oh fuck i gotta turn around you're just ripping ripping yourself around and it's it sounds like silly and trivial but you get back on a moto track after that and you just feel so much more comfortable on your dirt bike
2: yeah i mean the the balance Mm. when you're riding enduro trails it's all about balance and throttle control like okay the motocross and supercross guys really good riders but you know the average person if if they went to enduro trails and you know they're doing some balance things or some throttle control things then you go to the motocross track and it's not like a quick whack of the throttle you know out of the corners you're more like slow you know traction you're finding the traction rather than freaking whacking the throttle catching a wheelie and (laughs) you know you got your legs on the ground yeah I, i think you know as you said both benefit from each other for sure yeah so yeah you like you said too you <laughs> a couple days on the bike you get more confident more comfortable next thing you know you're doing 130 kilometers an hour with one arm and you're like uh,
1: yeah. what the fuck am i doing yeah and you just like i mean it's not like that's gnarly or it's hard or anything but it's more like the first couple days you're doing 80 and you're like white knuckles f- yeah you're like "Fucking, oh i'm really moving boys <laughs> do want to slow down yeah and like the the first year that we did that trip I uh, had another moment where like we rode the same road one way and then on the way home we rode it back normally most of the trip you don't go back and forwards the same way basically but there's like one little section of road where you do and i think on the first day it was 80 k's on the it's just like a single lane dirt road through the bush you know and they've yeah. got like kangaroos everywhere big anthills, hills just full like desert sort of scrub and uh first day like 80ks and then the, on the yeah. way back just 130 <laughs> <Full> bo- <gas. laughs> and then you just you end up stopping for a piss and you're just like fuck that escalated like yeah. really 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 quickly you get comfortable which is kind of scary yeah <laughs> have you got any like other i guess races that you'd like to go and do throughout the world like i'm sure you've heard of fink like any ambitions to go and do that or do Fink sounds fun
2: uh yeah i don't know much about it i just i think it's a little bit sketchy to go race Fink with fucking kangaroos jumping out everywhere but it's pretty gnarly (laughs) yeah dude and toby was saying the boys are dude you're just wide open the whole time basically yeah have you seen footage of toby out there dude yeah the jumps yeah they're, they're not even they shouldn't be jumps but he's like dude wide open yeah no i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know but about. it's different if you grow up out there doing that yeah you know like toby and all the guys that race fink you know that they know it so well that for an american to go out
1: there i mean I'm, how many years behind would i be if i go do it one oh time? I, it'd be a novelty like it's not a race you could go and be like oh i want to try and win like no, you, it years yeah you'd have to just go there for basically fun it's yeah. a it's the craziest weekend though or like well like, yeah I guess it's a, you, you end up being out there for a week, but it's like literally the dead center of Australia like the geographical center of Australia is like 300 Ks away huh. from the finish line of the wow. of the race It's fucking mental dude and the whole it takes over the whole town it's the only thing that's going on there's like 40,000 fans line oh. the line the uh the track and it's just an absolute zen fest. And you you get a local dude that basically doesn't do any other race and he can just that one and he can get like third. And there's the best dudes in Australia go and race it. Like yeah. it's it's fucking wild dude. Wild experience. Yeah, that's uh
2: I've talked to Toby about it, dude, and I for sure that's a race that, you know, the more you do it, you know, the more you know and the better you are so like for a first timer to come in like you said it's just a uh, experience yeah but no that race i mean all my friends we we talk about it we watch it and we're like dude that fucking so gnarly
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so unique hey. it's literally just a sprint for two hours yeah and then you do it again the next day yeah backwards backwards yeah and they remember the track both ways like that's why tobes did so good in the truck because like the guys that do it traditionally in the truck they're truck drivers and so like they're just they you can't get the laps in so and at speed like maybe you can get in like a a side by side and you can you know run the track in the side by side but the speed's so slow compared to the trophy truck or buggy that you're in so Tobes is running like well he's going faster than the buggy so it's like he's memorizing the track at speed way more and that's why he just cleaned up like yeah legend so,
2: races at one way flies back hops in the truck races the truck wakes up the next morning yeah. rides down flies back up <laughs> it's pretty insane though dude just pre-ran at you know 180 kilometers an hour both ways <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then race the truck at 200 kilometers an hour <laughs>
1: yeah so all right like, clear boys yeah unbelievable dude so what about any other races that you've got kind of on the on the bucket list surely honda's down to send a bike wherever you want to go these days Yeah. So, I mean, right now we just got back
2: from Dakar and, uh, it's like the first week, but definitely thinking about doing, uh, some other races. Uh, obviously we have the world championship, but, uh, that's, there's only like five of those a year. So try to find something, you know, in the middle here, stateside, a little bit closer to home for fun. Yeah. Like some sprint enduros. Those are typically pretty fun because I mean, they're not easy, but it's just something to do. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe some long distance races uh, in the future, but you know this is something that we have to talk with Honda just to see, like if it's yeah. doable, if, if they'll allow me to do it. Yeah. But for right now, uh, there's nothing that you know I have that set I'm like, yeah, like yeah. Oh, I'm doing this for sure. Because yeah. right now I'm still kind of like, okay, well, what can we do, and you know, can we do it? Will Will Honda send a bike? So, right now,
1: nothing set in stone. Oh, actually what do you do on march 9th busy i don't know how far is mesquite from your place
2: mesquite nevada that's where uh that's where i crashed oh <laughs> is it yeah but that's like uh two hours two
1: dude, and a half hours dude come do Ironman iron man in my race we're doing an eight hour enduro in mesquite nevada yeah <laughs> yeah we're doing uh you know where the world mini track is yeah yeah so we're doing it's it's called a gypsy 500 we're doing it's 500 minutes so like eight hours 20 minutes and it's either like you do it iron man or it's a two three or four man team and basically it's like half a lap on the on the moto track and then you do like the full gncc loop and then you come peel on do the last half of the uh the moto track and then if you with a team you hand off your transponder but if you're a assault if you're an iron man savage like yourself
2: oh man that actually sounds fun uh, I'm, I'm trying
1: to talk scholar into doing it as well Well, for, yeah he lives like 30 minutes from there yeah 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 that'd be pretty sick maybe me and scholar should just team up dude <laughs> that would be savage
2: if yeah. you guys did that no that's that's not far for either of us i mean it's farther for me but it's only two hours two and a half hours i'll spot you in entry how about that yeah i mean oh. you have like a flyer you just backdoor it what's that you got a flyer they're gonna post or no
1: it, it, it's almost sold out we've got like 200 teams entered holy shit yeah it's gonna, so it's big oh it's gonna be sick as fuck yeah dude that sounds fun <laughs> yeah Skyler just posted a, a video the other day like following his mate through the desert yeah turn track yeah and i was like what are you doing march 9th and he's he's like oh, i might be somewhere else but if i'm around i'll come and do it yeah you should come and do it if if we're around if skylar has to be somewhere you probably have to. yeah be there. <laughs> yeah no for sure that sounds fun that'd be super hard to do that but yeah i mean it's just that we we do those races at home they're called Transmodo series and the the guys at verb moto they hit me up and they're like oh look we got to do a race together like because they do their shred tour series yeah and i was like if i'm doing a race it's got to be this and that's like dude tobes doesn't tobes actually did one iron man on his rally bike <laughs> really <laughs> yeah yeah one yeah. it was fucking gnarly too <laughs> it was the i can't remember what what year it was but it was like crazy dusty dude and uh he he passed me on the rally bike there was like this one hill climb they ended up taking the hill climb out and uh it was so dusty and there were just bikes everywhere up this hill climb <laughs> and i heard toby behind me on the rally bike and i was like fuck i need to try and get out this hill i couldn't see shit so i've just sent it hit a chick's bike <laughs> it was a chicken laid over and i just went over the bars up this hill Next thing I just hear, oh, Toby, Toby. <laughs> is just zigzagging his way through this carnage, bro, on this rally bike, and all the dudes and chicks that were like down on the side of the track with their fucking bikes sprawling oh around. Like, <laughs> it was the funniest shit of all time, friggin' Toby. So yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a race you could do. I'd be pumped to have you, mate. Yeah, we'll comp you entry.
2: We'll have to check it out. Like if we're in town or if we're at a rally, I don't know. But if
1: we're in town, let's do it. Fucking sick. So uh, you've been following the Supercross while you're over there. Were you able to? Were you able to see any highlights? Were you, were you caught up on the season, dude? The only thing,
2: like, well, the first round we were in, we were in Dakar. The second round we just finished in Dakar. But, uh, dude, the hot thing right now is what happened with uh, Jet and Jason. Ooh, I'm like, yeah, give me a take. I don't even know what happened. That's a problem. Like, what do you mean? They they were they were racing, bumping elbows, but I like at the finish line jet was fired up over it or something yeah he was pissed but why
1: was he pissed well i think did you see the footage of like ando and him basically he was pissed because ando was doing his job and i was trying to keep him behind him and he was not happy that they, they had some like kind of sketchy moments but yeah i think jet just lost his cool
2: no I, I i agree like dude like you're bumping elbows no big deal no one took each other no one took someone out yeah you, you rubbed a little bit, but yeah, I think Jet definitely, I think, got got fired up, way too fired up for what happened, <laughs> yeah. but I was like, I'm like, what the, why? Like, what's going on? It, it wasn't that bad. Like, neither of you guys crashed over it. Yeah. racing. You guys were doing good. Like, if it was a dry Supercross, would that have happened? Maybe not, but... Dude, I, I thought it was awesome. It gave the fans something
1: to watch. Oh yeah, everyone's into it. <laughs> yeah, I actually had Ando in here last night talking about it. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's over it now. I think it was just one of those one of those things that you know, heat heat of the moment kind of shit. For Jet, it was heat of the moment
2: for sure. But I think like maybe Jet took it a little bit too far. Like at the end of the race, like they were grabbing each other's helmets. Like, dude, just at the end of the race, be like, hey what the fuck, like, why why were, why were you doing that to me, blah, yeah. blah, What? well, why were you doing that to me? Yeah. But it's like, dude, at the end of the day, they were racing, they were both fighting for a position, and... You yeah, know, like, fourth. Yeah, but... Like way up there. But, I mean, you're not just gonna give it away, you know, like, you gotta fight for it. Yeah. And I don't know if Jet, uh, I, I think Jet was maybe expecting Anderson just to be like, like go by. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they're both fighting for points, right? So... You Know Jason's not going to give it away, no, he's the last person exactly on the start line that is going to give that up exactly. And if and if Jet was ahead of Jason and Jason was coming in for a pass, Jet ain't like, letting him pass exactly. So it's I think it's over nothing, yeah. but I just think they're
1: fired up a little yeah. bit too much. Yeah, but hey, I hey, you know what though? It looked good. I love the passion. Yeah, I, like what it says to me is you got an 18, a 19 year old kid that wants to win so fucking bad that he forgot that he was in a stadium with 35,000 people and live TV coverage and like literally the entire Supercross and motocross world watching. And like, it's literally, the shot is like in the background of AP's win celebration. That's the best. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, AP celebrating in the background. You just see the two guys fighting. (laughs) But I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's watching it everyone's talking about it you guarantee well i mean the numbers are being crazy apparently on the like on peacock and on the streaming and stuff they said that it's like by far and away the best rating supercross has ever had before this weekend even so i mean huh. it's good for the sport right yeah i mean
2: the, the supercross is always fun and dude if you have a dry round every single round in my opinion it's kind of boring Mm everyone's doing the same thing everyone's jumping the same you know if you get a whole shot that guy's gone but dude the mud i think it's badass dude the freaking people just getting squirrely all over the place and it creates a good race
1: yeah well this mud was gnarly like i think san francisco was full survival mode like the guys it was i like that yeah oh but there wasn't a lot of racing in a sense it was like a lot of surviving and you got to really you got to kind of see who i think it's probably like a mindset thing which you could probably speak to as a art guy you know it's like the mindset that you take into those difficult situations and like there was even a vital interview with jet where he was saying like oh, i wish they cancelled it and it was i didn't want to be there and it's like you kind of see that in the results in a way and then you see the guys that are just like "Fuck it like this yeah. is what this is what we're doing And they go out and, like, Eli did great. Kenny did great. Like, you kind of see the guys that just mentally are down to go through it. But then this weekend in San Diego was gnarly in a sense because you could do the triple. You could do a lot of the jumps, but it was fucking sketchy. So the guys that were sending it were sending it. It was not cool. It was not cool. Yeah, I mean, like,
2: Toby's thing, Rain, Hell, or Shine, Dude, you're going to go out there and ride. Hey, you signed up for it. Okay, if you're not a mud rider, then, dude, you can't win them all. Yeah. If you win them all, it's not a good... I mean, yeah, it's good for you. Yeah. But it doesn't give the fans, like, okay, if if you get the whole shot and you're just, like, that solid on a dry track, that guy's gone. Yeah. But with the mud, dude, like, look at look at the results.
1: Like, how about freaking Plessinger? dude, sweeping it up. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think i think he i spoke to him a press day and i was like bro do you feel do you feel good he's like yeah i actually feel really good because i watched him i was like just watching the instagram edits and shit i'm like fuck he actually looks like he's ripping so i just think he's ready this year like i just think he's gonna be i think he's gonna be there maybe more than what i I mean it's a long season but i don't think that he just won because it was a mud race like i actually think that he's a guy that can win this year well, in, in any condition
2: well from last year you know when he had the led detroit. the whole race dude
1: in detroit
2: yeah Damn. and i think that you know that might have got like in his head like i can win i i can do this yeah and then obviously whatever things happened throughout the year and you know new year he was fired up and he's like I, i've done it before i can do it again so i'm gonna You know, I'm fired up. I want to do this. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah. I I like the guy. He's freaking. He's awesome. Have you ever got to hang out with him at all? No, no. But I just like from following him and interviews and stuff. I I think he's like a real
1: down to earth guy. And he's the same in person. Yeah, you know, like he's just that. He's just that guy. We'll see this weekend. Let's see if he puts it together and does it again. Yeah. Can you relate to that with like when you? I mean, how long did it take you to get a stage win at at Dakar?
2: My first, uh I got a stage one in my second year. Yeah. But uh it was only like my second Dakar and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing out there. Dude, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm opening the day. Dude, I got lost, like kilometer 20." But yeah, no, it's it's nerve-wracking, but yeah, like if if you've done it before, you tell yourself like, "Well, I've done it. I can do it again." Yeah. Yeah. And once you know you can do it again or once you know you've done it and it can be possible then I think it puts you on another level of of like hard work. You know, like if you're not ever getting to the top, then I think you start going down. But then if you got to the top, you know, and then you don't have so much success, and you start falling down. But then you stop and think about it like, well. I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy. Yeah. I've done it before. Yeah. Then you get all sparked up, fired up, and then you start working harder to reach that goal again. So. I mean it's it's the same in motocross you have the, I think it's a lot of up and downs. Yeah. You have a good week, you have a good month, you have a bad day, leads to a bad week, leads to second guessing and I think it just comes with the sport yeah. ups and downs, dude, headaches, non-head not headaches like Yeah. It's it's demanding and it's
1: not easy. How with I mean you you, you have the world championship but like you've got one race every year you want to win basically, which yeah. is it's that'd have to it's that's a good thing but then it's probably also kind of hard to like to stay not stay motivated but it's like when you've got something really far away just to to stay accountable to that goal over 365 days like you're sitting here right now you're the champ you're the double champ but in 340 days you'll be back there and you'll be trying to do the same thing like is it hard to or do you have to really train yourself to just like stay thinking about that goal? Like honestly, I'm
2: already thinking about the next one, but uh, you know, you you have to go, uh, you, you're in it, but then you have to step away from it, you know, for a week or two just to like- Decompress. Decompress yeah. and then get back into it. And um, yeah, obviously we want to win the Dakar. And you know, from when we get home end of January, we have more or less time off until like August. And then around August is like when we start, you know, 100% focus for the Dakar, because I mean, it takes that many months to get, Mm. you know, prepared for it properly. I mean, the focus, dude, the diet, the training, it's, it's not easy to stay focused, you know, for 365 days a year on it. So yeah, you have to, you know, step away, come back in and, you know, and, and regroup, but, no i I mean i think about it every day like i'm already thinking about the next one what we can do differently and what we can change on the bike and uh how we can train differently or where we can go to train that's different than where we've done the last eight years Mm. and i mean it's it's a full-time job just thinking about
1: it but yeah it's not easy yeah yeah that that process though is uh, i find the process of those things kind of fun though in itself too you know yeah, it's yeah. like to the what stones can i can i look under like to try and find something else like just and it, it's coming down to seconds now yeah. you know like you're you're in this crazy game where you're doing these this two-week massive endurance race that is literally coming down to seconds and yeah. it's like you're now there's sec- you can find seconds in tiny tiny places and it's like i think that would be a fun kind of like rewarding process to go through every year
2: you can find seconds in tiny places but after 37 hours when you're only one second apart that's a that's a that's a heavy feeling and you know it's it's not easy to try to maintain that and
1: you just have to keep pushing forward <laughs> so what it, how much weight did you lose this year like are you doing big weight fluctuations in the over the course of the two weeks i don't think i'm losing too much weight dude we're
2: we're eating freaking salmon and rice dude every night uh we're eating burgers for lunch like i, I don't know maybe i lost five pounds but okay not not so you're not much. doing big weight swings
1: because no. i know that tobes had like some pretty big weight swings back in the day and he'd like try and come in heavy because he knew that he was going to lose heaps of weight
2: yeah i mean i i don't try to go in heavy because yeah. i'm already heavy so i'm trying to go the other <laughs> way always but uh I, I don't um I don't go on a scale, dude, so I, I couldn't tell you. I, I No
1: scale, no heart rate monitor, just fucking raw dogging it.
2: Yeah, I just I don't I don't like the scale, dude. Just if you feel good and your clothes fit and you're and you're riding good, <laughs> then stay there. <laughs> yeah. If you're like losing too much weight and then you go riding and the next thing you know you're tired in ten minutes, then maybe where you were before you lost the weight or the muscle is where your body wants to be I mean you you should know where your body's happy I mean I'm a fat kid at heart dude I freaking <laughs> I love ice cream and cake and brownies and cookies I love all the stuff that's not good for you but it's really hard to you know stay my lane and eat good and I don't buy that shit but yeah dude I got my parents house it's like full of it or I got <laughs> someone's house I'm like yeah give me that can I have a cookie <laughs> yeah hey, you got sour candy yeah
1: no it's bad oh that's so funny so you just what uh, what's your thinking behind no heart rate monitor no scales none of you just you don't want any of the details you just want to like you're a feeler not a thinker uh
2: yeah feeler not a thinker and i did the scale thing before and i did the heart rate thing before but just uh the scale i mean the scale just upsets me you know because i'm i think like fuck dude i work my ass off dude and i eat well lately I haven't, like this week I didn't eat too good cause I'm at home and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna eat whatever I want right yeah, now. But yeah. Like before the Dakar or whatever, you know, I work my ass off, I eat as good as I can and I step on the scale and it's like, I'll be one pound lighter and I'm like, dude, I worked my ass off for three months, I ate clean, I lost one pound. I'm like for me, that's stressful trying to work my, thinking I'm working my ass off and eating good and then stepping on the scale and not seeing the results that I'm I should be seeing. Yeah, yeah so i'm like ah oh, i'm just gonna work my ass off and eat what i want
1: yeah and the scale whatever i yeah. go to the scale and i go to the doctors <laughs> <laughs> dude, i love that and no like the the heart rate monitor for me like I've, i use it mainly for sleep and recovery like just to know where i'm at on my like hrv and then the kind of sleep that i got like right right now this week i probably pushed a bit too hard like with work and i had some really hard training sessions so i'd look at my garment now and it's basically says like don't train take a rest yeah yeah <laughs> so and i i've re- not rely on it but i mean i'd use that shit to make a lot of decisions but with you you're just fully going off like how you feel every day yeah like
2: if like
1: if i'm tired
2: i know that i'm tired because i'll I'll know right away. Like if I if I go to the gym and I'm tired, but I don't wear like the heart monitor and I go to the gym and I start like working out and I'm like, okay, for sure the body's tired because I have zero energy and I'm moving slow. Yeah. Then I'll just do the workout, but really slow and just to get movements. And then on the bike, um, like for moto, whatever, I just do it anyways. <laughs> but definitely like... How you said, like, you're sleeping, you know, like, your sleep score or whatever, you definitely know, like, in the morning if you're tired. If you wake up early and, like, you're fired up, you're probably ready to go. But then if you wake up and you're, like, kind of slow moving, then that's another sign. Yeah. But um, just to worry about all that stuff is. Just extra. Extra stuff, yeah. Your battery's yep. fucking dead. <laughs> your watch ain't charged. <laughs> yeah. Your thing's not connecting to your phone. It's Next <laughs> thing much. you know, you're like, hey, guys, wait. gotta connect it you gotta lick your strap again and change (laughs) it.
1: it's difficult oh i fucking love it because i'm just the opposite i'm just i'm just that guy but and you know what i win shit (laughs) so maybe there's a method to the madness keifer is all about the heart rate strap dude oh yeah yeah maybe it's just vet guys maybe it's just maybe maybe you're just not old enough yet bro that speed yeah shit no i don't yeah i just
2: I just go for it, dude. Road dog it. Yeah. Fucking like it. America, bro. I work Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday is my day off. <laughs> it's <laughs> two, simple. Yeah. Two days of rest all I need. How uh how many days are you riding like through the weeks normally? So before Dakar, uh three days a week, like three road books a week. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then uh if I'm not doing road books, I'll go to like two days motocross. Yeah. Or like if I don't go to motocross, I'll just ride trails. Then like some road biking.
1: Yeah. And then as far as the gym goes, what what kind of program do you run? So, actually, I haven't gone to the
2: gym uh, from, like, October to now just because I was trying something different. Like, going to the gym, like, you, you, like, gain muscle, lose fat, you know, you get built up a little bit more. But I feel like the gym, I was losing, like, flexibility. Mm. So, I stopped going to the gym, like, just before Dakar to, like, try to gain flexibility on the motorcycle. Yeah i don't know if it worked i mean yeah we won the duck car but i can't tell you it's because i didn't go to the gym <laughs> yeah but i can tell you like since i haven't gone to the gym in a couple months i'm not as sore mm. dude i go to the gym i'm freaking sore for like three days yeah like sometimes if it's a gnarly workout I can't
1: even move the fucking next day yeah do you do much stretching no that's why you, that's why <laughs> you lose flexibility right there brother <laughs> man i i do jujitsu and i if i'm i'm not stretching I am fucked, just stiff as a board, right, dude. R- right now, cooked. I trained, I, I trained hard Monday and hard Wednesday, and I'm fully cooked. Like my back's fucked. My hips are so yeah. sore just from not. I and I haven't stretched. But if I'm if I'm warming up properly and I'm stretching properly, and I do like a ton of you know like the lacrosse ball. Yeah, that's what I do the most of. Like and like when, put it on your hip. Oh your- yeah, yeah. Because that there is from riding especially like when you're like pointing your toe in like with good technique then that is like literally flexing the hip flexor muscle like on the inside it goes hip. to your back yeah and then and then there and then you've got that have you ever um have you ever been on one of those so uh, so right uh stretching deals as well it's like a lacrosse ball but for like that muscle that runs from your femur to your spine kind of like on the inside that's why your back hurts all the time is because that muscle yeah bro have you ever been on one of those things they are fucking unreal dude
2: dude i go to the chiropractor and they have that thing and then they'll like stretch out that psoas dude and if you're jacked like beyond repair and you go in for the first time to like get that thing worked oh dude it's so painful yeah you're just you're on the table cringing you're like oh my god please stop it's insane most people don't even know that that muscle exists well that muscle is important because it like how it loops back around yeah it's like yeah your back's hurting because a muscle that's on your front side
1: yeah yeah wait what yeah yeah Yeah. it's crazy you should you should just order one of those things and have it at home i lay on that thing all the time i think i get fucked up because i'm at a desk so much too so you're like constantly in a position where like your knees are up to uh, so i mean it, it that that one really helps out a bunch it,
2: the thing about me though dude is i'll lay on it for like 30 seconds i'm like all right i gotta get out of here i'm bored yeah <laughs> <laughs> like all right i think it worked yeah yeah i'm good now I'm yeah. good. even though you should probably spend 30 minutes on it yeah
1: yeah but i think it's just to be like to be the guy that can go and just fucking power through a two-week daca. you're probably just not going to be the guy that gives a shit about a lot of those you know it's like a personality trait thing it's like you're probably not the guy that's gonna just be doing all those just fully obsessing over all those little boxes because i mean at some point like i'm guessing you just need to switch your brain off yeah and just do the fucking thing exactly like you you can you can train or work to be so
2: perfect in all those boxes but then when when time comes and you can't do all those boxes then i think mentally it jacks with you because you're like okay well i skipped i skipped box two three and five and now like oh fuck, what do i do like i i don't feel like i'm lined up because i didn't get those boxes where you just put your mind to it and just do it i think is i mean
1: it works for me yeah yeah and i could see the way that it would work you know because there's a there's just a point where none of that stuff would kind of matter yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just you and the bike and doing the miles and holding the thing on. Exactly. Like, yeah, you. I mean, you could do
2: all those boxes in a row, but I mean, when it's time to come, when, when when it's time to go down and and get to it, you know, you can't rely on those boxes that you check off every single day in your daily life. Like, you're here to do this, and you you ain't got those boxes. You got a freaking do with what you got you know and some people have the mentality of like i'm a little bit this way too i guess like i do things that i know work and i stick to those every single day and like i do it in this order but i mean it's not it's not a crazy list but if i if i get you know if i go away from that while i'm racing it doesn't bother me Mm. the the things i do in order is just for at home training and what is that Like, dude, I wake up, coffee, bicycle, breakfast, I don't know, ride, ride, or just do the thing. The way I do things is like, it's fairly simple, but could be not simple for other people. Mm. But then there's people that have all these boxes they have to check off. And the people that have all these boxes, you know, and they don't check them off. Does that? mentally mess with them them, or or are they going to be completely fine not checking those boxes off and that those are the two kinds of people where it's going to be you know a deal breaker yeah where I'm the guy that's like okay well if I can't check those boxes I'm going to be completely fine not even worry about it and go do my job yeah but then some people if it doesn't work out dude they the wheels come off the wagon exactly yeah and I think for rally you need to not be that way you need to be like okay you need to be okay leaving everything at home or leaving everything the way it is, and then just pushing through with with what they're throwing at you.
1: Yeah. What What's the hardest part about the dark off for you?
2: I mean, dude, the early mornings suck. <laughs> uh, the cold morning, I hate being cold, and like, dude, the mornings are so cold, so cold. And that's the worst thing to do because my my hands are on the bo- on the well, on the fence right now of being too cold. But and it's not even cold in here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just being cold is the worst thing uh the worst part about dakar i would say is definitely probably like the long liaisons just because like that one day with 500ks on the liaison it's like dude you're riding for six hours before you even go racing and you're just on the highway
1: watching the speed because you can't go over certain speed can't go over 120
2: yeah but you don't want to ride i mean i don't know i ride like 110 113
1: yeah you don't even get close
2: yeah, I mean, because next thing you know, dude, you go in 118, you blurb the throttle, you're doing 121. That's just penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's easy just to be 110 to 115. Yeah. But, no, the the riding was was nice. You know, it was physical, but I enjoy that. And it's just like the highways, they just go on. And especially when you start the highway section at, dude, 445 in the morning, sun don't come up till 8. Yeah, you can't even see anything. It's not even like you can look at shit. So you have like your road book right here in front of you. Then you have like your GPS right at the bars. It's so damn dark. You have a light shining out that way. But the, this light's hitting your visor and then bouncing right into your eyeballs. So then you're like this, trying to see the highway. See, there's freaking camels crossing the highway. And yeah, the highway's uh, for me the worst. Do you listen to music or anything? or No.
1: Are you allowed AirPods? to? Yeah, yeah. You can?
2: Yeah. I've tried one time, but dude, like with the AirPods in and like the wind from the from moving plus the airpods it's like the music doesn't go up loud enough so you like you hear music but then you also hear like the yeah from yeah. the wind and yeah. you're just like mind boggled you know you're trying to listen to the song so you're like
1: <laughs> yeah no I don't I just suck it up and what are you what are you thinking about when you're on those stages like are you, are you in those moments are you just fully in race mode or are you kind of just off with the fairies, in a sense.
2: Uh, it depends. I mean, yeah, you're thinking about the race, but you're also on the highway for four hours, so you're like, fuck, nice coffee sounds good. An extra hour of sleep sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Home sounds really nice. I got a race today. <laughs> <laughs> How's today going to go? Who's starting behind me? Who's in front of me? Yeah, you start thinking all, everything, dude.
1: Yeah. What am I going to eat when I get back today? <laughs> <laughs> and does it does that quiet down when you're in race mode? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. When, once,
2: like, the light goes green and you're racing, you're just, all that's out the window, all your, your bullshit thinking. You're just, like, you know, tunnel vision, road book, navigation. Then you get back to liaison. Oh, I'm so fucking hungry. What am I going <laughs> <laughs> to eat when I get back? And then it starts back up yeah. again. Yeah, Man. What time was it at home?
1: Ah, oh, they're sleeping. <laughs> That's fucking so good. Yeah did you did you play any other sports when you were a kid? Like just given your build and that, or was it just all BMX? Uh, I played like, dude, two years of baseball. Played football for
2: like four years. Yeah, but I wasn't into it. Just not, what it was like the team thing that you weren't that into, or I don't know if it was a team thing that I wasn't into, or uh, the coaches trying to be like. Big, bad bullies are my parents want me to do shit I didn't want to do. Or yeah, I don't know what it was. I just, you know, like the team thing's cool because, you know, it's a team. So everyone has to work together. And if no, if everyone doesn't work together, nothing's going to happen right. You know, and that's, what's cool about a team sport, but also what's cool about like solo is everything's on yourself. Mm. And if like you mess up it's not on the team you can't blame anyone else but yourself so you know it's both are really cool in their own aspects but i just rather you know i don't know do things myself and i can only blame myself i don't know
1: yeah and i think that motorsports kind of has a pretty cool element of it's a solo sport and it's all on you but there, there is like a pretty big team involvement so you almost get the best of both worlds in a sense especially like preparation and in the bivouac and things like that like you are relying on so many people but like the actual task at hand kind of does come down to just your own effort exactly it's it's a perfect mix between both worlds because
2: yeah you have a team you have a team like you're not sharing the bike yeah you're riding your own bike but yeah you have a mechanic and you have like a helper an assistant but when it comes down to actually racing and your time then it comes down to you and you only so like you said it's it's a perfect mix for both worlds because you have both so i i enjoy it i mean i, I like it like this and just like ball sports for me i was never like good at them anyways
1: so mm. it's just something i'd never pursued yeah i feel like just yeah your build though and like just the the mindset like you probably would have been a bit of a badass and want to like football or whatever. That I was not trying. Yeah, no no
2: interest in that. I mean, they'd make a lot more money for sure, but I don't know. I just, I enjoy like the adventure part of life. Yeah. You know, and, and what I do right now in my career, it allows me to do almost anything I want, like within reason. But uh, I'm lucky. I get to travel the world and ride motorcycles on all these different continents and different countries. And I think that's pretty amazing. And actually... This year uh I've never been to Australia, so I'm going to Australia with Cameron Steele to go ride around. Sick. Yeah. When's that? June thirteenth. Oh, okay. We I'll, fly. I'll be back home then actually. Yeah, we fly June thirteenth from here and then I think the ride starts like on the sixteenth. What so what ride are you gonna do? Just I don't even dude, I don't know. Just aim and A, just get Just gonna the show ticket. up with a gear bag, dude. Adventure, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even know where where we're flying into no shit yeah <laughs> like a six day ride i love that i wonder i wonder where he's going we're for sure gonna go probably to what you said like the more northern part or oh dude i hope you're doing that ride yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I, I would assume we're gonna go to like the most epic places
1: yeah so that'd be sick. if yeah. you if you do cape york it'd be so so much fun for you yeah like just awesome single trail mixed with fire roads mixed with like rocky shit just like and so remote you won't see fuck all people like everything is just basic like depending what about on kangaroos head. oh yeah dude uh a, that's what i want to see <laughs> they're everywhere a guy actually died the day after we uh, the day after we got to the top a dude basically swerved like to avoid a kangaroo ended up going off hitting a tree died the same riding to the tip the same really yeah the day after we were there yeah damn so they're definitely there <laughs> fucking gnarly but and just like crazy crazy remote man there was another guy i um i went fully over the bars i'll, actually, I'll show you the video <laughs> after there was like a single track kind of it, it's basically just like a logging track like through the through the scrub and uh a lot of the four-wheel drive guys they in like the wet season you can't get up there so the trees will start to grow so then the first guys come through and they'll do their four-wheel drive track so they'll get a chainsaw out and they'll just cut the stumps off basically low enough so that the car can drive over them but that's not good for bikes <laughs> when you're standing up no <laughs> yeah so i've went through uh i'm going through one of these roads there's like a little dry creek bed and the the road and the creek bed same color like basically looked the same so i'm like R-r-r-r-r-r. and i'd see like the you go down into the creek bed and i was like oh fuck yeah a little jump out of here so i like just jumped and i've gone oh no and the the road went hard left and i basically jumped straight into this creek bed and it was probably like a four foot just straight <laughs> drop dude and i've just gone bang over the handlebars <laughs> and uh like jacked my wrist up a bit hit my head and uh get back on the bike Cause you don't have a choice yeah like just no you're out there yeah you're out there you can't, you walk home push your bike whatever and uh so this was on the i think day two of our trip so i've had a big whack on my head hurt me wrist i'm like all right that's probably a scaphoid but fuck what do you do <laughs> we're out here got got back up got gone i went probably another i think i either got a flat tire before that or right after it so then we had to fix a flat and then i get up a ways and my brother's bike fully shit itself. Oh. So he 80k's him and my buddy Franco, Franco dragged him out of the scrub for 80k's <laughs> on the uh, because his bike detonated. And then I've gone probably another 40k's past that and then hit one of those stumps and had a fucking huge one, dude. <laughs> gone over the bar. I squ- I flattened a Red Bull tin. Like from going over the bar's laying on my back. But anyway, so we ended up that was a massive massive day. It took took maddie and frank like i think six six or seven hours to get out of the out of the scrub and uh and then a dude same same deal a guy that was right behind us crashed like pretty much where i was broke his femur and his hip and had to get they they tried to land a heli where he was but the scrub was so thick that he couldn't land the heli so they had to fucking four-wheel drive this poor bastard out with oh, a just broken hip and a broken oh. femur so yeah it's like it's the most epic riding and i'm not really selling it to you right now but it's like it's just an it's a gnarly remote fucking epic place
2: i'm looking forward to it i've never been there and let alone i get to go there and ride moto so looking forward to that i mean that's that's set in stone for me so i think that's like the
1: next big trip yeah that'd be awesome dude and you've yeah. never been to Oz, no Sick! Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna love it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be. I'll be there for like probably two weeks. Yeah. Have you got any other plans when you're there, or just gonna get on that
2: ride? Just gonna get on a ride and probably cruise around after, and I don't know. Check it out. Yeah.
1: Hit you up. Uh, Hit up Toby. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be. I'll be around. Yeah. Perfect. Definitely, that's the best time to do that ride too, because it's like winter. Because normally it gets super hot up there. Okay. Perfect. What uh, What other countries have you been to that you've really enjoyed?
2: Uh i've been everywhere dude i mean japan was super sick how good is japan dude yeah japan is really nice like the food the sushi (laughs) game
1: changer (laughs) yeah uh you know like did you ride over there or was it like a honda thing honda thing yeah 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 i was there for like four days was it after you won the first
2: one yeah yeah so maybe maybe they'll fly me back go check it out again yeah but uh, i've been dude i've been all over um mostly for racing you know not not vacation but i get to go there and ride dirt bikes and you know check new areas out and i you know it's i'm
1: really grateful for that and it's nice and it's i feel like a. I i mean there's a crazy stat about americans not even owning passports you know like a, there's yeah. there's so much stuff here that people don't really leave like but i think when you a lot of americans do leave they're like holy shit it's so different and there's like actually so much out there to see it's com yeah it's it, like
2: we have it so easy here and i think like you said the people that don't have the passports they're like oh yeah like whatever it's not that easy I'm like dude you should travel the world and realize like everything we need is at our fingertips yeah or on the corner yeah do these other countries like Okay, like Saudi, Dubai, yeah, they have like the big cities, but they're still like those nomads that are in the middle of nowhere,
1: dude. Just literally walking around the desert with camels.
2: Yeah. I'm like, that fucking guy ain't got a water jug on him, dude. How's he getting water, you know? and He ain't stealing it from the camel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, like South America, I mean, every, every country has like something, you know, a nice city to it and around it. But obviously where we race, we're more remote and like these small villages and it's like dude you go to these small villages and i mean they they don't even have a freaking grocery store so they got to drive 6 hours yeah what if they forget something you know like that sucks and here i mean we we can cuz there's traffic and yeah it's like dude the grocery store is freaking 3 minutes away oh it takes you 6 today to get there big deal like the people in freaking Morocco they have to drive like a full day trip just to go get some pasta
0: Mm.
1: like it's crazy yeah yeah it gives you like a really good perspective when you travel that like how hard people have got it you know yeah like we think we have it hard but it's like the exact opposite yeah i mean
2: there's food on every freaking corner here out you know in other countries there's they don't have that yeah i've never been to australia but i would imagine you guys don't have freaking mcdonald's in and out and just pizza parlors on every corner every hundred meters
1: it's not as bad i mean australia is pretty close to america in like the in the big cities for sure but it definitely still has a lot more of of what you're talking about you know it's
2: like a lot less than america like america is so
1: bad there's fast food dude
2: like there's a fast food joint next to a fast food joint next to a restaurant next to a fast food joint you know there's we're outnumbered by fast food joints instead of grocery stores you know it's crazy where in other countries it's a exact opposite yeah you have more grocery stores than fast food joints like the only fast food joint i think i've ever seen is a mcdonald's mm. and even that is so like s- spread out it's yeah you no know, mcdonald's dude got one on every corner here in america yeah and a
1: starbucks yeah yeah that's so true i you was want a uh, good
2: coffee in some other country dude you
1: got a freaking oh you gotta hustle that shit yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude it ain't easy uh dude, as soon as i got to dubai i just bought a coke breville coffee machine for myself. I'm a big, big morning coffee guy. Got uh, the got Bravo it. coffee machine. The which one?
2: What would one you say? Breville. Breville. Yeah. That's like the the legit one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, my teammate Adrian has this one.
1: Oh yeah, the little yeah. single like the. Yeah, dude. Grind it up, tamp it down. Yeah, yeah, that's the shit. Uh, you big, you big coffee guy though. Yeah, but I don't. I have an espresso. It's just like a heart rate monitor. You're just yeah. Fucking simplest coffee machine they make. That's what you got.
2: Yeah, I got like I have an espresso machine, then I have like a French press, but at the end of the day, it's like just too hard. So I just buy like a dark roast coffee. I have a Keurig, but I make a small cup and then I just make my own cappuccino out of that with the freaking thing. <laughs> but no, the espresso machine's nice. I'll break it out once in a while, but it's just it's a lot of work for a little coffee. What I think I I need is like Dude, have you seen those those little Nespresso? Oh, they're good. Like with the little yeah, the little
1: pods. Dude, for a quick shot, dude, that is the best machine. You could, but you should probably buy yourself something now. You've just won Dakar. You got a bonus coming. Why don't you buy it? There's really good like Brevils that are auto, so you don't have to fully fuck with it. Maybe you should lash out. Maybe I should check it out. Maybe you should. I think you should. You should give yourself something out of this win. But the Nespresso
2: one, I could take it in my truck when I go camping and plug that thing into the back too. That is true. Yeah, yeah, that's very easy, and they're cheap. Yeah, yeah I'm cheap. <laughs> I have a nice vehicle, dude, but I, I like skimp out on everything else. Yeah, like I don't buy clothes. Well, I mean, sponsors like give more than enough clothes, but dude, I run, I run my shit till. To the wheels fall off. Yeah. Like, dude, the grocery store, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How much money is this fucking Uh. steak and salad? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, dude, it's unbelievable. But no, I I definitely, I'm going to look into the Nespresso. It's like, I think, like 120 bucks. Yeah, yeah, you got that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's and a, I can
1: bring it with me in the truck. That's a nice little Dakar bonus. Yeah, because you got the two. The, you got the like the one twenty volt in the truck, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Game changer, dude. Yeah, easy money, dude. Put a
2: little, put in a little Pelican case or something, oh, so yeah. it don't get damaged,
1: dude. Dialed trial, in. Trial
2: coffee. How good is a trial coffee? Exactly. I think that's bitching. <laughs> Pull over, dude. Like
1: yeah. four minutes. Done. Oh yeah. And then now you're sparked up on coffee, <laughs> ready to just send for another four hundred k's. Exactly i love it i was uh i was watching a doco the other day just to go back to that whole america thing like he there was uh a guy who was have you ever seen channel five news yeah andrew i watch Ka- it every morning dude you you do andrew callahan yeah so uh, did you have you watched the uh his special on like the illegal immigrants yet i don't think so dude so so fucking gnarly I like it. it just when you were talking before it kind of just like made me think of that like america has uh like the view on immigration that they have but uh, it's like from people that haven't been to other countries that like haven't seen legit poverty and it was so like heartbreaking in a sense to just see all of these he's like interviewing these people speaking in spanish as they're like they've literally hopped the border wall and they've like gone through the fences and it's like a mom with four kids and like the way they speak about america is like this is a place where you can come and make your dreams happen this is a place that's for and it's just like fuck it's so heavy when you when you've been to those places you see the poverty and then you see like the lengths that people will go to to like literally walk to america and like yeah. the amount of people that are, that die in the desert every day making that crossing and shit like when you talk about like how good america is and like people don't understand how good they've got it like there's literally people dying walking here to get here that's how good it is and it's like that perspective is lost on people sometimes yeah they don't realize what
2: i mean you don't realize what you have until it's gone right
1: yeah or if you've never seen anything else yeah like if you've never experienced another place like if you go to a place like vietnam you know like we've ridden motorcycles across vietnam and you've got your cities and it's the same as every other city But you get out into the hills and like we'd see kids, like three, four year old kids that never seen a white person. (laughs) They're just like, they're staring at you like you're ripping out, bro, looking at you like you're a fucking alien. Yeah. And they've never even seen a a white person. You know, what are you? (laughs) It's crazy when you think about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot of hidden places, hidden gems in the world and. You know, as you said, they, they've never seen something like that. And in the rallies is the same thing, you know, when we're ripping through the desert, we get to some camp, I wouldn't even call it a village, it's a camp, and they're just like, Yeah. Like, what are you? Yeah. And then like the kids are like throwing rocks at you, and you're like,
1: what? <laughs> That's crazy. Like,
2: yeah, they what they don't know, they've never seen it. Yeah. They're probably scared for their life, there's, there's a dude riding something they've never seen dressed up in all this gear they probably think is like, like a stormtrooper <laughs> yeah yeah they don't know dude and then when all these cars come through dude, they never seen those those cars you know they look futuristic all they got is a moped and a bicycle dude like we come blitzing through their camp and they're like whoa what? <laughs> yeah who are am i alive <laughs> like
1: yeah it's wild out there yeah dude you know the the second last stage of the desert challenge last year we were like right on that saudi border and did you you know where like you do you remember that stage well i didn't know we were that close to the border bro like where that where the it finished and then you come out and you go left onto the road and then you went back to the hotel dude me and my brother we tried to drive to the border, and it was maybe like uh 400 meters from where that you guys turned left and got, got on the road was like this massive like do not cross, and then we we like got up close. Military truck drove out like hey boys can't be here and shit. That was so gnarly. Wow, dude. they're on that's, they're in force. That's how close it it was there. So like when you guys are doing the these rallies they're like man you just would have no idea the kind of stuff that you're actually close to eh?
2: yeah fuck yeah that's sketchy yeah i couldn't well, believe in morocco we're really close to uh the neighbor country that doesn't like it uh i don't know I forgot, <laughs> I forgot the name of it but yeah we're pretty close to the border there and it's like a big no-no
0: yeah
1: but i thought like yeah well i mean i don't think it's like not that anything gnarly was going on but like it was just one of those it was like a i guess like a military border in a sense to where it's like military only yeah it's like this is the border of saudi and if you ain't military you're not coming past here you gotta go around and we're like right there wow and those dunes are crazy there right the the liwa those liwa dunes liwa dunes are they the biggest dunes you've seen or they bigger Peru has some big-ass dunes. So Peru's got bigger ones? Yeah. But, I mean, Lee was a good desert. They
2: have big dunes. Uh, Where we were for the Chrono Stage was also big dunes. But, uh, I mean, coming down them, definitely scary. Because, like, dude, you're going down this dune that's straight down, has, like, a couple kicks in it. But then you're going down this dune straight down, and it's a 90-degree hit right there. But... you can't go slow cuz dude you're going straight <laughs> freaking dead. down yeah, and you're yeah. on the brakes but you're still just now you're on the brakes but it's like an avalanche around you that's like sliding with you but uh no the dunes are definitely like to get to get to the top of the valley of the dunes is is difficult but once you're up there it's like a plateau of dunes so you don't think uh, you don't think yeah. you're very high yeah yeah but yeah but then but then when you hit the road book, you know couple k's later and then you need to go back down to the desert floor and you're going to the floor and you're like fuck i see a valley way out there but then when you're dropping into this valley dude it's it's like 500 meters
1: that's wild Straight down yeah it's full on when you get out into those places and you just see space yeah and just sand sky and that's it and nothing other to help you yeah and then
2: like yeah you see it on tv and i mean it looks big on tv but dude in person like if they zoom out on the heli footage then they zoom out and then like the bikes going that's when you get like the true mm. vision of how big the dunes are but like normally it's just like they're zoomed in on you like this but if they freaking zoom out a little bit and then you see the valley of dunes and then you see like one little
1: bike then you're like wow big yeah it's pretty incredible man like what you guys get to do away eh? yeah yeah it's it's quite a life <laughs> <laughs> uh well hey i know you gotta get to uh you gotta get to press day you gotta press- be at what 10 1030? yeah All press right. day we should probably do that. Well, well see how far it is actually just see where you're at on the stadium but um yeah man it's been uh it's been insanely cool getting to getting to chat i know i know we've wanted to get this one done for a little bit so and i, I don't want to make you late uh
2: what uh angel, Ange, stadium. angel stadium yeah angel stadium 11 miles no yeah
1: i told you it was close really yeah
2: restaurants no i just need to get there
1: <laughs> yeah it's 25 minutes oh we still got a little bit more time i gotta take a leak yeah yeah go piss then or should we wrap this up and get a coffee? Is that what we should do? I'll get you like nice coffee. Let's go get a nice coffee. We'll wrap this up and we'll get a quick coffee. Yeah, I only had one coffee this morning. I'm a two cup guy. Me too. <laughs> Let's go and hit it. Anyone you want to thank? Any any messages before we wrap this thing up? Nah, no, just yeah, thank you guys for following
2: along and like thank you to everyone that follows my journey. I hope, you know, it motivates uh, younger athletes and hopefully I can see some younger people like get more involved into rally raid. It's not easy, but don't give up on your dreams. You know, it's life's not guaranteed. So if you can stay focused and work hard, I think you can achieve anything that you set your mind out to do.
1: Yeah, and you're an awesome example of it, dude. And you're just a super humble, super regular, <laughs> rad guy to be around. So uh, yeah, you, you're one of those guys that, that wears winning very well. So I uh, yeah, wish you good luck on uh, going for three. Thank you. that'll
2: be nice three (laughs) pete awesome brother yeah thank
1: you guys we're excited to announce the launch of our new membership site gypsytales.com packed with exclusive content and perks that you won't find anywhere else this is your chance to become a part of the gypsy gang and as a special bonus if you sign up to an annual membership you'll be entered into the draw to win our custom built tc125 gypsy gang